Wait, are we, were we supposed to restart? I did. It, it doesn't matter. They're just backups anyway. Oh, okay. The LaRue's. I haven't used any of your guys' files for like six months at this point. Because mm -hmm. the uh, good. it's so much I work. I don't even record on my it's, end. It's, it's too much work to try to set up all the, all the shit. Uh, if a single person doesn't record their local audio, then it's lo literally all useless. But also, whenever I try to sync stuff up, something gets out of sync, and I'm not an audio engineer and don't know how to fix. Well, I'm not. I have which a name. Thing is or isn't out of sync. I have a and name. I, you don't need to like, call me something. It's too much work to figure out how to sync audio across multiple sources. I don't know how anyone does it. Anyway, welcome to Dialogue Choices podcast. That was a little behind the scenes of why you listen to Discord audio instead of local audio and all these podcasts, and none of you have noticed. Don't lie. They did. Uh, should, they they did. should we They've be recording on TeamSpeak? That. Didn't we go through the effort of oh, setting so up much better. Well, so much too better late. Audio. We didn't set that up. So <laughs> fuck <laughs> we you. We, we're we already I, 40 I like, minutes is... late to starting this podcast because we keep starting other discussions. It's fine. It's <laughs> anyway, fine. Andrew said he had a surprise for us. Oh, That's more important than audio quality. Present. Uh, present. So present. Please uh, direct your eyes for the... Uh, uh, what's it called for my fellow co-host direct your eyes to the podcast channel in discord um, scared and my eyes are salivating in ways i am doing my that emoji. eyes are hungry for this surprise i'm yeah, doing that looking a... emoji thing uh this is the thing i made <gasps> yo and... what what look at them dudes that's cool oh that's good what I like that. I like uh, that you put Twitter too. That's my yeah. thing. <laughs> Twitter too. <yeah>. Twitter too. <laughs> this is great. That's funny. I fully yeah, support so stubbornly good. showing Twitter icons in Year of Our Lord 2023. <laughs> it it will never not be true. Like you can't change. Well, it will it. when it ends. Sure, sure. When it dies, we'll all remember it, whatever its old, its name finally lands on. But the, until until all of us at this current age die, we will always remember it as Twitter. It will never this die is as sick. Twitter. It is really good. Uh, but yeah, and, so Andrew's I, I was... signaling for me to go back to to go back to promoting my my Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I didn't have anything else to put there. I figured I might put Twitter too. <laughs> I could just change it at any time. But the uh but yeah, so that is uh I figured it'd be fun to have something similar to that. Just for the visuals. That's great. So I think this is can excellent. I, can I ask? And, mm -hmm. Uh I was uh, sorry. I, I was immediately gonna derail the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh no worries. Uh the only other thing is it's probably not obvious now because of the way the screenshot took, but there's obviously using the like png tubers so they're yeah. going they're fading out mm -hmm. oh uh, awesome yes yeah, i assumed it was that awesome. not that i'm just looming in the darkness you might be you, you made might. you made keith so much bigger and then i'm little <laughs> yeah. I, I think i did that because you're because i originally set this up when you guys were still doing cave it's because uh, you're escape. little uh, oh, so my avatar was bigger than his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your avatar was much bigger, so I do need to adjust you. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, speaking of Cape Escape, is done. It's over. Cape Escape is done. It's all on it. Keith's YouTube channel, and yeah. soon will be on our tabletop specific channel. Because yep. we uh, do we have a name for we, that? We do. Well, is it is it a name that can be announced? <laughs> did you forget? Sorry. <laughs> no, I did. I just uh, 
He did. It, it is <laughs> you're the one time for it. Uh, it a is... graceful and very <laughs> choreographed handoff. <laughs> All right, so no, we're not it's... going to trade shows with you guys, but no, we can we can announce it, right? Are are we yeah. ready to announce it? Yeah, we're making we're making it's a separate the... channel called Null Playing Games, which is the final after several iterations of trying to figure out where there might be SEO oh. conflicts or confusing titles because we wanted to mix in some variation of Null. Which is the, the 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 RPG hyena barbarian race? Because that'd be fun. Nice, nice. Uh, and we, uh, I'm, I'm commissioning a little animated intro, and we're gonna make the the idea is to set up a new YouTube channel for it that hopefully doesn't just immediately flatline. Because uh, if it does get engagement, then those videos will probably do much better on their own place for Cape Escape and so on. Uh, yeah, if they absolutely. aren't completely buried by let's plays immediately the way that everything else is uh, and like then as each season comes out people can easily find the previous seasons because they're all on a dedicated channel and like the algorithm is more likely to suggest videos in uh, from that channel to you if you like those videos because of the fact that you're it's all one uniform type of content and YouTube hates it when you upload different types of content yeah, even you're also allowed that... to join entertainment category, I believe. I don't think you have yeah. to go into the gaming category. Maybe. Ooh. I didn't even think about right. that. I don't even know how that works functionally on YouTube. I mean, categories aren't, like, huge, huge, but I don't know. Anything that's... Oh, they like, are yeah. now. YouTube has are added they? a... Well, at least I think it has added... On TVs, I, it's really big. Yeah. It's really, okay. But it's well, on, the front the front page now has... Or I think I only re recently noticed it has, like, tabs at the top, and those tabs, like, are dynamically made for you to watch like for example one of my uh i'm watching my my one of my accounts and it says downhill mountain biking and music and mm -hmm. that's the two tabs that i'm seeing but sometimes it shows more on the other accounts but this is like it, it detects your viewing pattern so you can just like filter the algorithm a little which is good if you like the algorithm but you shouldn't like the algorithm the algorithm is the worst yeah but like but yeah like you, you can subscribe you can, though, when, when, you, when you upload multiple competing shows and stuff like that like as a let's player for example you can very much notice uh when mm -hmm. the algorithm starts suggest uh stops suggesting certain shows to people and like people are like oh wow you still exist or wow when did you play that game and stuff like that because like it just yeah. it, it'll often just just have decided nah that one's not doing well or these people won't like that one so we're just not gonna not gonna yeah. show it to them so having a channel that just is one uniform thing, which is this is our t tabletop series in chronological order, and then like if it, in that case it becomes a thing where it's like oh if you if you stop uploading tabletop to your uh, let's play channel for like six months, then it, that like it I don't, that's like not great for that kind of content. But if you uh, only upload tabletop content to your channel, then uh, when you come back after six months, it's like when you, a video essayist you like makes a new video essay after six months. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I just that might be related. Uh, and uh, it's like uh, the algorithm is like, oh, that thing you like came back because that's the Watch only thing they've again. uploaded. Whereas if yeah. you upload, if, if, if I flooded my channel with le my let's play channel with nine months of video of a uh, of let if I if I flooded my video essay channel with nine months of let's plays and then finally made a video essay again, it probably would perform much worse because. I've like ruined my channel, which is why which is why I put the video essays on their own channels. And learning from past experience with the Legoshi video, which admittedly is bad data because there's other reasons why the Legoshi video may have done well, because it was impactful in certain ways and also was a big effort and very long. And there's other other reasons why it diverged from previous content, but 
among the other things uh in the early years of the video essay channel every video had like a couple thousand views total and that was it and then the lego she video exploded and then it exploded again and then it like exploded again it, like kept expanding beyond exponentially beyond what was previously possible for that channel and i partly uh attribute that to the fact that it was the first video essay i uploaded after monetization was achieved which i because mm -hmm. i i guarantee i promise you no matter what youtube says they absolutely prioritize content that makes them money like that's just obviously yeah. known like they're like oh it doesn't hurt your channel that you don't have monetization yet i'm like really then why is that every time monetization is restricted on a video people famously are very aware that it gets less views i'm like i don't think the thing you say is true uh so ideally the the perfect rollout here would be if we uh re-upload cape escape on a like rerun schedule to do to run through the series again on the new channel and hopefully that generates enough uh overall engagement that we break through the early channel thresholds for unlocking monetization before the next season comes out and then that would give that that season a real chance to like do a YouTube. It's yeah, dumb like how escape, it, it's, it's uh, dumb how much meta gaming there is so. involved in being a YouTuber at this point. <laughs> that isn't just make good so, content, but I I think the production value who listens, is yeah. That is true. For everyone who listens to this though, that is your call to when we begin uploading these, even if you have already watched Cape Escape, open it in a tab on a window or it, on your no, other monitor. No, 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 no. You do not publicly call for people to game the system. Yes, this, <laughs> this is not gaming the system. When I re, when I re, it when I re, play. No, when I re-upload Cape Escape, you legitimately watch it because you love it so much with your eyes I'm and not, ears. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I'm not saying we. I'm not saying we're gonna pay people to view bot it. I'm not saying manipulate. I don't it think you're supposed to tell people. I don't think you're supposed to tell I'm people saying, to pretend to watch things either. No, it's not even pretending to watch. It's what? put it on the other monitor while you're playing games. You watch a fucking rerun. No, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how you know. I thought you were about to say the thing. Watch. I thought you were about to say the thing that you do to your friends' streams, where you just like put it on your iPad in the corner of the room at one percent volume. Do be like, I am helping, and then you walk away. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, that's good too. Yeah, that's but you, yeah, yeah, you can't say I mean, you can't say to do that because that <laughs> you can't. That's, that's that's against the terms of service or whatever. No, no it's against either. the terms of service to pay for people to to manipulate yeah. views in mass. Yeah, they might it no, can, against. It, it's like how it's like how you can get in trouble for telling people to click ads. Oh sure. Like there's but like a bunch of steps that you, you can't you can't <laughs> you can't no. tell people you can't tell people to engage on. Uh, insincerely with the system. Oh, not no, insincerely, click, but I, I, I think we can absolutely ads ask is a thing you to... cannot tell people to click. But I think there's yeah, a you... difference in there is that because clicking on advertisements is like you're the advertiser paid for that engagement. Yeah, the advertiser. Yeah, exactly. Like the advertiser paid for that engagement, but you watching a video isn't paid engagement. You like it's that. Yeah. that's that's the system. Yeah. You're supposed to watch the video. Like telling people to watch it however they want to watch it doesn't matter as long as you yeah. tell people like watch the video. I don't care if you I'm, watch I'm it underwater saying... in a submarine. Watch my video. <laughs> like, like I don't know. Leave it on the next spaceship that goes to the moon. Leave it on. Yes. Until it goes <laughs> off. I don't care what you do with it, but go watch the video. 
watch. I'm not even. Of, I'm oh, not even saying the fucking the fuck? mute the video, hide it behind another monitor in another tab. I'm saying just open it while you're doing something and let it play and watch it and enjoy it. Like if you've already watched it, that's fine. It doesn't need to be new content. Just watch it. Just watch it. Just like people do when they put friends on Netflix or, you know, Futurama on Peacock. Like, <laughs> don't, don't just fucking engage with it. Spe- speaking of um, growth, though, uh, am I wrong? Like, you probably know this better than I do. But am I wrong in saying or thinking that uh, tabletop role-playing channels grow a lot through networking and getting guests on? I have, I have and... no idea. They do. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. do. But I, a, a I know thing, which is right, why we're announcing there. our special guest star, Matt Mercer's. There we go. An impression no, of by me. My impression of Matt Mercer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Say, you see that? It's high that's noon. Actually, false engagement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait a second. This is actually a crime you've committed. <laughs> false advertising. I just uh, as, it, as, it, actually, as if my shitty Southern accent isn't just a Matt Mercer impression to begin with. <laughs> She's like, I, I've I played know. Cassidy for a couple of hours. I can play uh, this character for an entire campaign. <laughs> you have well, a one, of things, moon. <laughs> one of the things about doing this, though, is that it actually does allow us now to, like, showcase things more and, like, do things differently in a way that will allow us to do things like that and grow. So, like, when it's just yeah. buried in your Let's Plays, like... Uh, uh, you know, saying this as someone who is appearing on your channel very frequently, um, it doesn't like from an incentives purpose. I do fear and hunger with you because I like playing fear and hunger with you, not because me doing fear and hunger on your channel like gives me exposure. Fucking no one clicks through. It's not. No. That's just not how YouTube works, right? Yeah. But no, uh, whenever I pro the street Street Fighter tournament or this or that, or I'm like, hey, yeah, you guys keep asking about Bird and Andrew and whatnot. Their channels are right there, and then no one, yeah. no one clicks on it. Like it's impossible to tell someone to look at something else on YouTube. Yes. I learned that from when we did sad games for like two years, and we had a yeah. bit of an audience, and Tokyo Jungle would get a few, th- a few, a few ten thousand views, and so and so on. And I'd be like, hey guys, I'm making a solo channel. Me, the guy in the videos you guys like. Remember me? I'm promoting myself on my own channel. This is a slam dunk, right? No one. No one yeah. subscribed to my new <laughs> channel. I got like two people, which will both proudly declare themselves because they're probably still here somehow. But <laughs> no one else. Like I had to start from scratch again, basically. It was so frustrating. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. but I'm literally the same person. But yeah, there's uh, a lot of value. There's a lot of value in that 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 that's why there's such a disparity and why so many people were shocked about by the rebranding. Uh, mm-hmm. After everything that happened, because like it was rel- it was it was more common for people to discover me via the Lego she content and so on, and then find my Let's Play channel than it was for the Let's Play people to even be willing to look at the new channel. Yeah, uh, which which is why like the uh, all of my essays were getting the views of like a decently performing Let's Try and not like. You know what you do, yeah. what you would think a video essay would do until they start just organically growing on their own, which is a bummer. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Go subscribe to but, No Playing Games. The channel's already up. This is a call to action. There will be a better call to nice. action when I have a commercial to make about it of some kind. There's <laughs> gonna be there's, avatar. There's gonna be a few more like, steps to it. No. We got yeah, making an, right now. That's a really shitty placeholder avatar because I it's like just it. a it's a little dupey screenshot from the the animation in progress. Which is looking really cool. 
Uh, it does look cool. I wanted to make it. I wanted. To, I wanted to sell people on it. And then there's going to be. Yeah. Uh, there actually already is merch, but I haven't launched my merch store yet. I have a. Uh, I've set up uh, some Marrow merch, some Cape Escape merch, and a couple of other things. Uh, I'm just waiting for samples to come in, both because then I can be like, "Here's the sample in real life," that I'm look showing it to you in the little commercial thing or whatever but also because i want to know that these things aren't trash before uh i tell people to buy them and then have to deal with the fallout afterwards but uh <laughs> my with with the merch I, I uh i commissioned uh a slogan thingy from uh of marrow from uh jimmy the floof and we also are using we're also making a sticker set of the cast of cape escape and my thing that I'm doing there is that uh, a percentage of all sales will go back to the artists that drew the art in the first place. Because that just seemed like the cool way to approach things is that you... Yes, there's the original there's the original fair price up front where you pay the artist their normal commission price for that piece of art while, while agreeing, working on an agreement to do it as merch. But then I also wanted to pay the artist royalties based on how the stuff performs. So some of this, so this isn't me just like nabbing art that I got a hold of and then selling it. It's, it was, uh, there was an agreement made to do it as merch and a, and some of the money that you, uh, you give will be, don't, uh, <laughs> I almost said donated. That's not the right word. Some of the money <laughs> that you pay will also go to the artists themselves. And so they, uh, they're going to have a real good day in direct proportion to, how good or bad the uh <laughs> the uh the merch actually goes <laughs> oh uh and then uh there's also going to be a patreon for no playing games specifically and that's because it's no playing games is kind of its own separate thing where it's like like it's very much its own separate thing like when this whole thing got started uh ka was already working on this whole campaign thing and then just dm'd me like hey do you want to join this thing and and then and then I opted in, and then I think Toaster was already in, and then I yeah. and it was like, hey, do you have other like are people that might be interested in playing this? That's I so I I asked Marty and Illusory Wall, and as a as like a hail mary, as almost jokingly, we were like, what if we got Mick Skinny? Actually, he does like a tabletop RPG like visual novel now, and yeah. so we got Mick Skinny in because he said yes, but uh, I don't there... I don't like do the work. For this show in that like i don't uh i'm not the dm i don't plan out the universe i don't i don't actually like go and like network and acquire the assets and commission them and all that but it is expensive like uh cape escape yeah. was expensive to make and going forward any future stuff will also be expensive to make so the goal of the patreon is to create a separate revenue source that can go to ka to help him fund uh, both recoup his losses from the first season and also like fund future stuff and yeah that that just makes this whole thing more doable and uh, my goal with the reruns it not is not only to uh, try to unlock uh, monetization on the new channel and also keep all the shows in one place so they're all like findable and everything. <clears throat> But also, as any new fan art comes in, I'm going to. I, my plan is to is to re-edit the old episodes and add the the fan art into the slideshows at the beginning uh, <clears throat> for any fan art that comes in during the reruns, 
and then we're, I'm gonna like regenerate the the Patreon credits so that they're based on that channel's Patreon instead of ours. So, yep. And hopefully that'll be like a growing credits as, as people join in. And then I don't know exactly what kind of behind the scenes stuff would be available, but anything that we can, we'll we'll probably try to put up on the Patreon. Like I don't know, maybe toasters or maybe a semi redacted version of toasters uh, like book he wrote about his character. <laughs> Yeah, I have. So I have a lot of ideas for this. And and this kind of gets to what I was about to say earlier, which is like, having it as a separate channel allows us to do more things. Um, What I was saying with like, it's not really like, you don't pay me to be on your channel. It doesn't benefit me. It's not like, it's not like I get a lot of exposure from it. But having a separate channel specifically for this where people can guest star gives us the opportunity and flexibility to be like, do you want to be on this show? It's not going to basically just be you you know giving keith ballard a uh an seo boost because you're in this as like episode of a let's play it's you are part of noel playing games for this little season it allows us to do things like off-season games where we do different settings different campaigns different game systems uh allows us to try things like having a guest dm or having a different dm um from the group having different uh groups of people participate in in certain games as well on top of like the the static crew i mean i'm sure i'm sure sometime colonel or andrew might like to be part of one of these that could be really fun um mm-hmm. you know it gives us the flexibility to do that um, but on top of that having it be its own thing that funds itself allows us to grow a community that might only be here for this thing um and that's like there's no there's yeah. no shame if you follow keith or you follow one of us and you're like listen i don't like you know i don't like the podcast or i don't like uh the tabletop i'm only here for the let's plays like that's cool. This allows us to separate that out so that we aren't cross pollinating and like harming the channel by not, um, you know, not uh, specializing, creating engagement on those things. No. Oh. Um, and it's really helpful for that respect, too, because it, it gives us the flexibility um, to to do to do what we want with it and have fun with it and and and, and do fun things. And. Uh, I know at least I am very excited. I'm very excited about it. Ka and I, this whole thing started organically as Ka messaging me and asking, Toaster, do you, you mentioned you wanted to play tabletop. I DM things on my own. Do you want to play tabletop? And I was like, yeah, I would love that. And then he was like, oh, okay. Like I'll, I'll see if I can fit you into like my, my group. And I was like, well, what if instead of that, like, like if you want to fit me into a game or do you want to do like your own thing with our own people or like with other people? Do you want to make content out of this? And Ka was like that, that could be fun. And then like Cape Escape was born from that. And we had a bunch of people doing a bunch of different things and it was awesome. Um, and so I think we really want to keep up with that growth um and 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 try new things and always be moving forward with it uh, and this is just a really great way for us to do that um so obviously no playing games uh it also does not hurt to have other presences online because the uh yes <laughs> the, uh, yeah the, for the last year or two the let's play channel has been like uh somewhere between stagnant or a sinking ship <laughs> where it's like it is just yeah. not it has not grown for a while, uh, which is let's, a bummer. Yeah, let's but play that's why. But it's a reason to work on making a like an essay channel and have other things. I've repeatedly considered putting the podcast on its own channel, 
to see if it would because the podcast is consistently the best performing thing on the entire let's play channel which makes me wonder if it would do better on its it own thing on minute really? without everything yes yeah. yeah oh yeah no the huh. uh the worst thing i can upload on my let's play channel is a let's play no i mean i knew that but i'm surprised that like my people top listen people oh, listen yes. to the podcast yeah. Especially if I yeah, if I especially when I started uh, getting better with the thumbnails and titles and being like you know what fuck formatting we're just gonna do something that people people want to click on here's <laughs> here's toaster's horrifying boyfriend story or whatever and it's just like a picture <laughs> of like, like uh, incubus toaster from that tarot card fan art and so on like oh, that's like interesting like those kinds of <laughs> tricks and so on like the the podcast has done really well. Uh, Whenever we're actively doing the podcast, my top hmm. 10 videos of the month are a combination of shorts, Let's Tries, and the podcast, part one of Fear and Hunger, and Perp's animation. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only actual people listen Let's to this. Play that has a part, the yeah. only Let's Play that has a part number in my top 10 most of the time is Fear and Hunger part one, and that's it. <laughs> the rest of my entire top ten <laughs> is just not... They're either one-offs, or they're animations, or shorts, or, or the podcast. I've, I've, I've had wow. a few times where the po podcast is like two of the top ten. Uh, like that one where we... Uh, I don't remember the exact thing, but it was like... We talked about like the like the queer high school experience for a podcast, and I titled and, theme and themed it around that. And that video, and that video did very, very well. It been it might have even been because on some level it kind of looks like a at first glance it kind of looks like a video essay with the way I branded it a bit and it was like a, this like it is clickbaity and so on in the way that it was like baiting successfully baiting clicks and not dishonest yeah uh, and that just doesn't work for let's plays let's plays no. uh, people people like them as a comfort thing in the background and like knowing that they're there. And that they have the option to watch Let's Play if they feel like it, very occasionally. <laughs> but, <it's, laughs> but they've largely moved on to cooking videos and prank videos and drama alert. No. And pseudo-intellectual so. video essays that are made a little too frequently and a little too rapidly and frankly don't have that much to say sometimes. But, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> Channels true. that make a but video think, essay every week upset me. I'm like, you are, I think that, <laughs> this, these are bad. <laughs> well, that gets to something cool, though, about all of this. And not to harp on no playing games too much, but, like, actual play content is getting huge right now. Um, and this is some Hollywood info that I know because I work in film. But the uh, it is projected that the fastest growing form of entertainment media, especially online right now, is tabletop content. Um, part of that, and this is a very cynical thing, you don't need to feel bad about engaging with it because it's explicitly not the same set of content. But a lot of big studios and a lot of money is getting invested in actual play right now because it is improv um, and because it is... Uh, sort of live performance it's not produced content it's not this it's not under the same stringent guidelines um, oh, that a lot of the unions SAG are doing right now stuff. <laughs> yes yeah. so uh it is stuff that can be produced while the actors are on strike which is why a lot of the actors right now are getting into actual play content because they can do this for work on the side and it doesn't uh. um it doesn't harm their union um, agreements. It doesn't conflict it's, it's, with them. It's very, and it's Conan O'Brien makes a podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Uh, and as a result, um, actual play content has increased exponentially and has been doing very, very well because it is going to start dominating um, stuff. That's also why Hasbro and, and all of these different gaming companies are doing such heavy pushes on all of their tabletop brands because we are we are at the start um, of a new tabletop explosion. Uh, and I know that sounds weird because D&D has been getting very big. We're in a tabletop renaissance right now, but uh, this is just the beginning. It's going to get huge. So if you really want to help us out with with this uh, and and help us get to where we think we we can get to, you want to keep seeing cool content from tabletop stuff. You want to see more people involved. You want to see more of us play more cool games, furry or otherwise, horror or otherwise. You know, systems, lots of different systems, lots of different dice styles, lots of different presentation formats. Please just go over and check out No Playing Games. Uh, it helps us a lot. And I think I speak for pretty much everyone who was involved and everyone who can be involved eventually uh, when I say that, like, doing tabletop online is really fun. And I think all of us would like yeah, to do was, that I was going to say, also, none of this was nearly as calculated as it sounds right now because literally all this happened because I just kept complaining to the Aether that, uh, that D&D was fun and I never get to yeah. do it. <laughs> Every campaign I start falls apart before we finish it and then i just complained I, I long think, enough that it re-manifested in real life again and now it's happening yeah, I think Baldur's Gate three is going to be the first time i complete a DD campaign it is a DD campaign it's different it totally yeah. is it, it is a DD campaign just 100%. <laughs> well Baldur's gate 3 is just about as close as one can get to playing a tabletop game that's uh, true. in video game format yeah. it is except it, no it one has to dream. become uncomfortable when you all the characters get horny for each other and then like in real life although a lot of people on twitter are complaining about that a lot now it seems what, I, do, I think it's less the fact that they're too horny. People have started to get I, I mad about how that. how horny the characters are in Baldur's Gate. Well, they said 3. that was a. They, I think they said <laughs> that, that was, was a bug. bug. Yeah, yeah. At the very beginning. That set Lazel like, overly horny. Yeah. Do you guys know Lazel, the the Gith Yankee? She's she's in the cover. She yeah. has a she has her first sort of interact. It's not really interaction, but like her romance. Let's put it like that. Um. I got okay. I got to that bit and I was like, wait, is this a bug? Is what what's going on? Did I get the bug where I get the end game before the, the middle? Um, I was I too literal there. I don't mean to. This, I'm, I don't mean to sound crass. I'm just saying she comes across very very strong. <laughs> and, uh, and I could I could see people being like, well, this game goes all out. If all characters <laughs> are like her, then wow, what what kind of game is this? But no, Lazy My... is special. I My think, take on I this think is video just games that... need to have more slut era representation. Yes, don't I you, agree. He's, she's not slutty. She just. Says, I don't know says who like she is. is, so I'm obviously not talking about <laughs> her. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people in real life that are looking to clown, and so video games fair, rarely fair, represent that outside oh, no. of literal prostitutes. Not that's what I. Well, that's what I'm saying though. They is that slut. Baldur's Gate Dave, Three Dave is. is Baldur's Gate 3 is the closest I've ever seen to an actual tabletop game represented in video game format, partially because it's so horny. Like, people <laughs> don't talk. People don't talk about how fucking horny tabletop is. And I'm like, I'm not I saying, mean, every, you know, I you mean, it's your, extremely your much friends. All, all tabletop's yeah. very granular, and everyone it's has their own unique yeah. experience with it. So I don't know how universal that can be. I, I have never experienced. I, I have never experienced I, horny tabletop before. I what? think every what single you person you have played. How, can, yeah, how do you dare mean? you forget about the the, dare the, the inc that encounter? 
between yeah, Paris yes. and no, I had a I I I was horny at tabletop and then I saw a scenario to <laughs> yeah. fuck with your character in a in a in uh Dragon Heist, but that's like the only instance basically. Sure. That's what I'm saying baby, though. Got is that so wet. Everyone who plays <laughs> tabletop for some period of time, and especially people who consume tabletop content, yeah. know that one player who wants to play the smooth-talking bard who who walks into the tavern and sees the barmaid and is like, hey, baby, what are you doing? I know the horny bard archetype, but I've never, archetype, but I've never actually encountered it, really. So what? I feel like yeah. most your people, character was uh, not very horny. Your character ran true. a brothel, but he didn't actually have horny scenes. Was there even sure. time to develop true. my character? Not really. That's the part of the issue. Is every campaign <laughs> like, we ever, yeah. every campaign like, struggles say, to I, continue for longer than any of that time because I literally, you get like five people together and then one of them just vanishes inevitably. Like during the during the <laughs> scene two. where we had to find information out, I literally flirted with the owner of a brothel. But he didn't do it in a very horny way. And that, and that owner of the brothel was a uh, was a guy, and Evie was trying to like trick me into being uncomfortable. I was like, "No, that's not how this works." <laughs> like, no, Andrew's gonna play the game. He's gonna get yeah. that info. I love that. Evie was not fully prepared for the pansexual halfling. <laughs> that's great. See, but that's what I'm talking about. That's tabletop. And Baldur's yeah. Gate Three is so absolutely good at capturing that at just being yeah. like, you that's know true. what. All of our player characters in this game, all of the party members are the most chaotic fucking gremlins that you could possibly put into a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, be they prepared are, yeah. for that. And, like, it's just, it's so awesome. I if can't wait draw, until... I just like, want to play it because it's the, it'll be the first full-size RPG I play. But one, you, because, like... What do you for, mean? Well, there's more of that full-size. sentence, but I, I, I'm still oh. saying. I'm still talking. Okay. <laughs> one, it was the fact that I, for years I've talked about the fact that, like, AAA RPGs are just dead. Like, for the most part, you cannot... There are no AAA RPGs. The closest things are yeah. two competing indie companies that are have a lot of money. For di- I mean, the definition of indie World. is very up in the air when you talk <laughs> about, like, CD Projekt Red. But they are a self-driven like valve type company that can just create a rpg in a way that like everyone that's ruled by a publisher just has stopped doing they put rpg elements in every other video game but also canceled every rpg project possible and gutted any development that's working on any of them and it's just a nightmare so I've, i've seen I watched. I spent the last eight years being like, okay, well, I made a channel. It's like kind of about playing Western RPGs, and I'm looking forward to like as like as somebody who was like a Bioware fan and stuff like that. It was like looking forward to more stuff like this one day, and then it was like all I got in the last eight years that it wasn't by CD Projekt Red was like Andromeda, <laughs> which yeah. was just a real bummer of a time. Obviously, there's indie CRPGs, and those are fantastic. But, like, the type of RPG that I got used to playing in the first place just died. Uh, and this is the... Uh, so, like, seeing something like Baldur's Gate 3 happen is wild because it does delve back into some of that territory. And it does so by circumnavigating the AAA thing again. Because that's just the only way RPGs get made. And it's a, a yeah. blessing that they can even ever exist anymore because they're yeah. impossible to make on their face. Like, they're absurd. Uh, but also... Uh, Every RPG I did play for like the first eight years of the channel, I did while pretending to be straight. 
And so I'm like, oh, I could just I could just actually be gay and not have to worry about the stupid. <laughs> sh- like I, when I played fucking, I remember playing uh, Dragon Age Inquisition and and like sort of like offhandedly like commenting like, oh yeah, here's our different clearly interested romantic interests we could pursue potentially. And to this day, I just viscerally remember someone being like, uh, please don't pick the gay option. It's bad enough that you're not even human in response to the fact that I was playing <laughs> as a Canari and oh I was God. kind of down bad for Iron Bull at the time. And so I like Damn. fucking I, I bearded with I, I made Josephine my beard because she's the because, <laughs> of course, you would pick Josephine if you're trying to pretend to be straight while playing uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. And uh, that's dumb. That sucks. But like, yeah, like I, I, uh, I played a female shepherd and made a great show about how much I like the uh, uh, Jennifer Hale as a voice actor, which is true. She is better. She's incredible. But it was yeah. just so I could sleep with Garrus. Like that was the ulterior motive with the Mass Effect <laughs> trilogy playthrough was that I just wanted to, to hook up with Garrus in that playthrough, which meant I had to play as a as a as a female shepherd. Uh, like that's <laughs> this is the motivations. <laughs> That's fair enough. I can't believe I can't believe you played female shepherd specifically to sleep with a male companion that isn't romanceable by a male companion, and you you picked the worst one. I'm so <laughs> so ashamed that you didn't pick Thane. Get out of here. Thane is good. He has a good payoff on Mass Effect Three as well. Yeah, he I thought does. he was really Thane pretty. Thane is so good. Thane is cool. He does, but he does kind of come and go. He does. He does. A little, yeah, it's very. It's but the did, best part. But I, I but think... I did, but I did discover that like. Uh, uh, Tally and Garrus are very cute together, and it makes me want to specifically not couple up with either of them in a playthrough, which is hard yeah. because they're both there in every game. So they're and they're, they're both unless they're both the them. best long running so companions. Yeah, yeah, they're both they can they can both die, and they're in every game, and they're easy, relatively easy to romance, and popular characters. So it's very hard to get this scene because it requires so much restraint. Uh, but they do have very cute interactions in Mass Effect Three when you come across them at the ship and stuff like that. Uh, if because it, it, because if you don't date either of them, then they end up like having interactions with each other, and those mm-hmm. are neat. Hmm. And always a cop and I can fix one him. of the things. I think I might actually be getting those, th- those in my Mass Effect Three. That is really amazing. Is uh, Baldur's Gate Three is like kind of like a miracle game in that like truly. I know everyone and their mom has like talked about this game. Like they're they're going by Steam statistics. There is just no one on the planet who hasn't played it yet, other than the us. D&D factor. So, us. Like, it's it's factor. Not us. Uh, I, as me and, and Toaster, and like if, if, if we end up doing a co-op series together, we're, we're, the comments are just going to be erupting with all the things we're fucking up because people have already <laughs> seen every permutation of every quest, and we and we haven't, even That's though it's a normal. relatively new I'm, game. I'm excited. I'm excited to play it myself. I've been watching Brewing play a bit of it. Uh, nothing super spoilery, but the people don't understand the scope of this game. Like when you tell people Baldur's Gate 3 is a CRPG, it's like an old style CRPG too. Keith, you mentioned you're like, oh, like I, I was hoping that though. the style of CRPGs I wanted to play, like the style of RPGs I got into playing and wanted to play more of, even those were a departure from the CRPGs that like yes. started the genre, tr- which is interesting. Um, I don't think Baldur's Gate 3 is an old style CRPG at all. I think it's, it, it, it nothing it absolutely the old, like is. it's so groundbreaking in terms of the interaction level that you have with your companions yes. and with everybody in the in the game. 
that I'm like, about old to get into old stuff is just specific. Baldur's Gate one and two are linear games, and you have yeah, spike and side quests with yeah. But not but even by comparison. A, if you compare them to Fallout one and two, they're they're linear. Sure. Games. But what sure. I'm saying though is that people are used to a specific style of like like Jade Empire oh, is nothing like Baldur's Gate one yeah, or yeah, two. I see what right. you mean. But yeah, yeah. but uh so or like you know like Kotor one. The reason why Kotor one was as popular as it was was because it was seen as a approachable RPG back in a yeah. time when things like Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights were considered unapproachable. So approachable so that it's literally the game that got me into RPGs. Yeah. yeah so yeah. now Baldur's Gate 3 comes out and it is seen as a return to the Infinity Engine style of games, the, the more classic CRPG style that we're used to. And that, what I'm saying there is like, that sells this game less than it actually is. Because Baldur's Gate 3 is fucking ginormous the yeah. the depth of interactions you can have at any given moment in that game are mind-bogglingly industry challenging like to the point where i am shocked that this game ever came out and came out as good as it did when it got announced that Baldur's Gate 3 has like the highest Metacritic score of all time, displaced does every it? other highest rate. Yes, it does. Does it? Or it did, <laughs> it did as of a week of and a half ago or something. Does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, it it literally was a moment of like like this stuff is really easy to hype behind headlines. You might be seeing headlines that are saying like Baldur's Gate 3 is the greatest game of all time. Like Baldur's Gate 3 makes the industry look embarrassing. Like no one else is going to be able to make an RPG after Baldur's Gate 3. It's easy <laughs> to see that headline and go like that's hyperbolic. And then you see just how interactive this game is and you're like yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> this actually does look bad for the industry. Like the fact that Starfield came out and is as bland and boring and just <laughs> nothing as it is right after Baldur's Gate 3 100%. is mind. <laughs> it is literally like produced I cannot with like believe. a fraction of the resources and people. Yes, exactly. And a fraction and of it's the like, time, right? Like Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it it's astonishing. It the is shock, the shocking secret that is surprised to no one is that corporations as a concept are just massively mismanaged in general. Yeah. That it's all the wrong nuts. people make the decisions and they're incredibly bureaucratic and slow and, and profit driven in a way that actually obscures the ability to make profits. And it's just that's it's just a true. shit show. It's just all a shit that's, show. That's true. But I'm I'm there's some something else going on here with the distinction between Balzay 3 and Starfield in particular. And uh, like, sure, I don't, I don't want to go too far away. Uh, like what I'm about to say doesn't go too far away from the conversation about the industry is now embarrassed after Baldur's Gate 3. But just bear with me here. Sure. Larian has uh, they, they kickstarted uh, Divinity Original Sin uh -huh. as, a, as sort of a, a let's let's make our longstanding RPG that was mostly focused on actually RPG. Uh, franchise the divinity franchise let's make our long-standing action rpg franchise into a classic like turn yeah. or turn-based like pure bread rpg and they kick-started it and they they involved the community a lot uh, i don't know that from firsthand but from what i can see from other people or i could see from other people at the time 
Larian really went all out to try to involve the community a lot in the in the development process of Divinity Original Sin. They had a, a brand new engine. It's a turn-based game with with focus on from the beginning. This is the, the game came out in 2012, I think. Uh, Divinity Original Sin, or actually, I, I'll correct myself in a little bit. Uh, but the point is, they they kickstarted this brand new thing for their company that they I, I'm sure that they risked a lot doing it. Uh, but when the game came out. It satisfied the relatively well satisfied the audience, the Kickstarter audience, but it, it wasn't like this huge success that that maybe even that Pills of Eternity One, for example, was a huge success. I think, um, in, for for the kind of game that it is, and what Larian did is they doubled down. They 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 had the, they had their engine, they had their priorities, they had their lessons, and they doubled down and let's make Divinity Original Sin Two, which is a weird title for a game but it is because it's got a colon in the middle um but uh but they just doubled down they made it to four player co-op they made it even more t uh, even more tactically deep uh and they improved the engine all that and they and i think divinity original sin 2 is easily easily one of the top three best rpgs of all time yeah um i I, th I think it's in terms of high budget it's the best uh before Baldur's Gate 3, top, Divinity Original Sin 2 is the best RPG in terms of high-budget RPGs. Mm -hmm. And they and that, and it came out back in 2018 or something? Yeah, and, 2017, and the 2018, thing is, something like that. And the thing is, they've been like accruing all this knowledge from the community and from the and like doubling down on a sort of a niche franchise and like going yeah. beside everybody like people don't pay attention to divinity because nobody remembers divine divinity from 1999 or what or whatever else <laughs> came after that was worse and less popular less popular actually beyond divinity was kind of popular but nobody remembers that but then they 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 took up all of that knowledge and the technology and the, the development expertise and they put it into term into not only not only dungeons and dragons they put it into Baldur's Gate, which is yeah. such an influential game because it spawned w one of the most influential RPG companies of the, of the of ever ever, which is Bioware. Uh, it yeah. spawned other a bunch of other franchises that just look after Baldur's Gate. This is all oh, I'm gonna make a new one. Like we, Baldur's Gate is the inspiration for Pillars of Eternity, Pathfinder, Kingmaker, um, the, the um, freaking. Oh, I just had a bunch. Of, I just had a couple more. Tor actually. Torment, Tides, so, you know, yeah, just, all these different uh, things. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Tyranny, and it's Baldur's like, <laughs> Gate three. Like people, uh, Baldur's mm -hmm. Gate three was like at one time in development back at the beginning of the two thousands. Uh, it was gonna is not. It was not going to be developed by Bioware, but it was canceled. It was called uh, Project or uh, Orion. Larian is the company it, that will give every random animal the entire conversation tree. Yeah. And voice yeah. actor, yeah. <laughs> just in case you happen to pick the animal dialogue trait as a flex. It's a bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's a, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's not too far off. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, what I'm trying to say here is that they sort of like wound up their uppercut as much as they possibly could. Yes, <laughs> and they just freaking landed it <laughs> right on a company like Bethesda, who let me remind you of the paid mods fiasco. Let me remind you of the Fallout 76 fiasco and the the other fiasco. What was the other one? I mean, well, <laughs> I'm I don't want to I don't want to even sidetrack that too much. But yeah. this this does I'm sure Keith has opinions on this right now, but like the most notable thing about Bethesda's RPGs for the past 10 years, maybe longer, 15 years, is that Obsidian made a better version of Fallout 3 than they made. 
in New Year's. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Like, they're the most charitable thing one can say about a game like Skyrim or a game like Fallout 3 is that, like, the mods make it better or, like, <laughs> Obsidian made a cool sequel or it was re-released a bunch of times. Like, none of these yeah. things are superlative. And yet, fucking Larian comes in and releases just maybe the greatest CRPG ever made, according to most people. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, anyway, that was fun. Um, I hope you have a good time. And not only is it a good game, it's a good game that is deeply interesting, very nuanced, maybe the best tabletop implementation in a video game ever. Of Dungeons & Dragons, 100%, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, easily the best implementation of, of Dungeons & Dragons in a long time. Maybe... Maybe the truest and most exciting version of 5e you can easily play without having a group and a stellar DM. Like, just... But it's true. It's it, such a so smart ahead. game. Such a cool, clever, amazing, interesting, high-scope game that I truly am concerned that when I do finally go through it and do a full playthrough myself, not just watching Brewing play, like... It's going to be the new Pathologic 2 where I play other video games and I'm like, I'm like, this isn't <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, you're just disappointed this, by everything if, else. Exactly. Like, like I'm, I know for a Disco fact Elysium. I'm going to play Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to go try to light a curtain on fire to reveal the sunlight to kill a vampire in fucking <laughs> Elder Scrolls 6 and it's not going to work. And my first thought is going to be, could have done that in Baldur's Gate 3. And it, that's just going to plague me for the rest of my life. Like, it's just, it's nuts. It is a bit of an interesting thing to see footage going around, for example, of like Starfield, where you can walk up to, you can walk up to cops and just shoot around their head oh, and I they'll that, not yeah. react to you at all. Yeah. It's just, like it's, just well, a, it's, it's very, the love, the fact that one of these is claiming to be the biggest, craziest RPG ever made, Maybe. and it's the culmination of everything that studio has ever worked for, and it has no. almost no Keep. system interactions. <laughs> it's just have you considered, appalling. Have you, have you considered that in those videos, the player character is just a white, middle-aged man? <laughs> that's, 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 that's just the reason. With everything. Yeah. Just, oh, that's the right. Reason. It's actually incredibly accurate. I didn't think it's, about that. So it's a critique. It's political. You don't get it's, it. Man. Yeah. It's actually it's, it's <laughs> a critique. Anyway, I've also been watching Brewing play Starfield, and that game looks like dog shit. Yes, its it PC performance is abysmal. It there are no yeah. graphics settings other than yeah. resolution and what you want to target, and that's it. Uh. It's garbage. It's not ready. It doesn't. It's it's, it should have it's been. a garbage video game. I cannot believe it exists. I'm so upset about I, it. I'm pretty confident well, now after well, seeing after seeing though. two two Microsoft owned studios release like just straight horseshit games with so much hype behind them. I'm stoked. I cannot wait for Activision Blizzard to be bought by Microsoft. Please, my <laughs> dreams finally will come Are true. Are they still not been? <laughs> No, it's not uh, finalized. Yeah, it's not finalized oh. yet. But when it does, oh, oh God, they're just going <laughs> to just destroy that company. I Starfield but, is so boring. Like yeah. on on just the. It's, it's worth pointing out it was in development and started development before uh, Microsoft acquired Obsidian. Sure. Or, or not yes. Bethesda. Yeah. I just don't think, I think that Fallout. Uh, Fallout. I just don't think that Bethesda has any interesting ideas or goals 
they no, don't not yeah. at all so just fundamentally when they set out to make a game they're just going to make another very large thing full of tasks yeah like, well, the, the thing it's is like is that functionally the, indistinguishable from many of the uh just open world non-rpgs that exist essentially because they yep. they rarely yep. even feel like rpgs to begin with which is frustrating because if you look at uh even if you just look at your your average like funny moments in oblivion channel like like that one like forget the name of uh fave bros it's gotta be well, those are the guys that do it in live action isn't aren't they 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 also play, have a let's play it's an old one oh but gotcha yeah but there's other <laughs> ones there's a bunch of there's a bunch of those there's just like a there's just like i like I, I follow one channel that just like uploads like like every other every few days they'll just upload like a 10 second clip of oblivion usually and it's just like an insane mm-hmm. interaction of just nonsense <laughs> happening and it's just like yeah often it's poking fun at like the inherent uh the immediate uh contrast and comedy that comes from like something that an npc says during dialogue and then what happens to them in the systems of the game one second later like the like immediately walking into a stone trap that slams you into the ceiling and kills you or something but like <laughs> Yeah. What's frustrating is that the games that they set up with with uh with 3D Fallout and 3D uh Elder Scrolls is an immersive sim. Like on its face yeah. the game that they're supposed to be making and that those systems should be enabling are all clearly pointing towards Prey 2017 and so on. Like yeah. they, they should be all about really interesting system system interactions. And what they took with that setup is made the most boring, gray, flat world where you follow compass headings to then stealth kill somebody with a bow over and over again for 75 hours and just exhaust dialogue over and over again. And almost nothing in the game in any way enables you to interact with systems or think about systems and come up with creative things to do when like baby's first immersive sim like that was that was like the you know like the bioware of of immersive sims was like uh insomniac making bioshock and being like there's like a lightning trap and stuff sometimes and like yeah uh, like you can shock the water (laughs) yeah like it has like really like heavily telegraphed but not super deep interactions like no game made by Bethesda since twenty seven since Bioshock came out has been able to match what Bioshock did for for environmental interactions and alternate solutions. Even though Bioshock only has like five canned pre made solutions yes. for things, yes. like it's the most it's the most like here's your Lego set for the exact interaction you can do that's more interesting than just shooting people. That's what Bioshock is. And Bethesda can't even follow that usually. When they have made an no. entire universe and engine of interactions that should all be enabling that stuff constantly. Well, what's wild they is just that don't follow other up people it. do it. Like, exactly. The thing is, and, like, like, yeah, it's that's just... the thing. is like Larian's last game, uh, a, a Divinity Original Sin 2, I slowly kept realizing over the course of the game that like, okay, this game's going to end in a confrontation between the four of us. It's going to be a fight for who gets to be the real main character and win the campaign versus everyone else. Yep. And leading up to that confrontation, I had a pit in my stomach. There was so much pressure because of the fact that we'd like played like a hundred hours up to then leading up to that moment. And it was this big moment that I was all like built out of bent out of shape for. But I was playing Fane, a character that over the course of the playthrough was repeatedly reinforced to be immune to like the uh, wildfire or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, like the yeah, evil whatever. 
the evil life ending Death green fog, fire smuck smuck stuff. I don't. It's been five years. Uh, yeah. So see, very sneakily, like ten hours before the ending, I got a. I found a chance to get a barrel of the stuff, and I just put it in my inventory and carried it around for the rest of the game. So that when the confrontation did happen, I literally had the ability to instantly kill another player by by hitting them with the stuff that was like my character's special trick is that he's an undead corpse skeleton man. So every single other character besides me could be killed instantly by this thing and I could swim in it. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. that is like the kind of weird, unique interaction that's enabled by both the fact that the game is multiplayer and the fact that it has systems that interact with each other in interesting ways. And like that's just so missing from all these other RPGs where you mostly it's like oh you 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 use your build that's how you play the game you just your build is how you do the thing your build gave you one cool button to press press the cool button that's strong because of your build if you press all the other buttons they're not as good uh, and that's it you're in a you're in a square shaped room where nothing does anything <laughs> well I mean cool it, un- that's un- what RPGs un- are every time I play D and D as a sorcerer or a druid famously I just use attacks. That's what I do all the time to solve my problems. I press my attack buttons. I Left never fixed. press my attack buttons. <laughs> I never yeah, atta- I never use my attacks in D&D. I do everything else. <laughs> I I think it definitely becomes more of a like people want to lean more heavily on the action side rather than the role playing yep. side. And I think a lot of what you want is more role play than it is action. And even though it is in the service of action, right? Like the idea yeah. of carrying a barrel around so that later I can create chaos in a fight sounds like you would be pro-action. But like they want simplistic action. They want yeah. easy to predict because action. It's uh, easy to make though. That's the, yeah, like, that's, that's, yeah, that's why it well, is easy. Yeah. To one make, of the things but, yeah. one of the things about this that I think speaks to exactly what Andrew's saying though, or not Andrew, sorry, Keith is saying is that like Bethesda's systems seem to imply that there are going to be emergent, you know, immersive sim-esque style gameplay. Like, that's what kind of makes these games work. That's what even yeah. makes, like, New Vegas work when it but works the level, magically. the level of interactions yeah. always caps out with, oh, isn't it funny you can put a bucket on their head? Yeah. But what what I was, was saying when I said other yeah. people are doing it, I w- didn't mean, like, Larian with Baldur's Gate 3. I just meant, like, people make mods that mods, are yeah. like I this. this yeah. meant, and it's yeah. cool. And it's cool. So it proves that the system can work. And it's unfortunate to me that people see that and they go like mods make oblivion mods make Skyrim mods make, you know, Starfield so good when it's like if the systems were there to play with and were facilitated by the game. Why did Bethesda never do anything interesting with them? And yeah, the people are always like, the, that, people are always saying like these games are good, these games are good because of mods, but they also keep rewarding these games with money by yes. buying them every single time they come out yes. in massive droves, including them re-releasing this game on fridges and shit. And it's like, yeah, or you could play the good games that actually do these things. I'm begging yeah. you, I'm begging you to play good games instead of trying to mod bad games into having interesting mechanics they don't have. Like just play and the good games. They're all they're all gets, failing because you're buying Bethesda games for the seventh time. Well, but that's that yeah, gets to what they, Andrew's saying though, is yeah. that people and correct me if I'm wrong here, Andrew, but like people don't actually want the interesting systems. They want to tell people that the interesting systems are cool and that it makes it better, but really nine times out of ten people are just gonna play Skyrim and be like, 
I got the axe of white bleed and I click the person and their brain explodes and then I glitch through the floor. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to watch TikTok for eight hours and then pass out in in my own beer vomit. Like, that's just, yeah, that's it, what these games it, are. It's a, it, like you, you're Ballad. thinking of it as a person <laughs> who sits down and finishes a game. Most people probably have never beaten Skyrim. Like, oh, yeah, I, I beat it twice. Three times. Yeah, but that's you are. But you're that's a us. weirdo. What a, I'm a freak weirdo. you that's are. True. Why would I've you never be? I've never the like, introduction of Skyrim. I can't take it. It's it's like more that's than fair. seventy hours. How did you do that? How do you have time for that? Seventy well, hours. I think I think I had two hundred on each one of my playthroughs. That's or a lot of hours. One. The sure. thing with this though is that people don't beat games in general. This isn't yeah. just a Skyrim thing. This isn't just a Bethesda thing. That is the true. if you look at the trophies for games, like even story-based games, I'm gonna say short story-based games, and then I'm gonna say an example of a game, and people are gonna argue with me about how long it was. But like this game is short compared to what we're talking about. But like if you look at like the trophy completions for like God of War 2018, a game that people say is incredible and has the best story in gaming. And I again, I'm not litigating that. We're not talking about that. I'm saying that's what people say. Uh, most people have never exited chapter one. Like no one has gotten past the first or second boss of that game. Statistically speaking, it's that's like 15% of players. You play Utah. We, we want to wow. talk about uh, we want to talk about big games big successful single player story based games uh let's talk about fallen order fucking star wars fallen order considered to be the game that saved single player games for ea that literally changed the industry by being good enough that ea did not give up on single player development most people have never gotten to the third planet that That's is wild. the metric so like the way that people talk about this stuff, people will put 700 hours into playing Skyrim re-releases completely vanilla, unmodded, and be stunned by all the things the game can do. But that's 700 hours over the course of 10 years of playing the game for 30 minutes at a time before they pass out <laughs> in their lazy boy at the end of the night. That Mostly is trying to figure out which games. mod is causing the crash. <laughs> Exa well, that's if they're modding it at all. Most people oh, yeah, are playing it on yeah, their yeah, Xbox, yeah. you know, or heaven forbid people talk about uh, uh, New Vegas. This is a big thing. New Vegas has this legacy of being a glitchy, buggy game. And don't get me wrong, it is. But the legacy of New Vegas as a glitchy, buggy game that didn't do well on release is this weird flanderized version of what actually happened, which is that it didn't, it got an 89 on Metacritic, not a 90. So a bunch of people didn't get their bonuses. And then it was glitchy on PS3 because it didn't have enough RAM and the game would crash if you tried to play it. Uh, that is all true. But over time, this game has been known as one of the best RPGs of all time because sure, fixes roll in and people get acclimated with the systems and see it for what it is. But it's because people are actually their actual engagement with these things is not in the form of the 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 way that we as content creators, the way that we as like hardcore gamers buy a game, play the whole thing, see the ending, do another playthrough. Like, that's not what most people do. What most people do is play it for 15 minutes. And if it isn't immediately funny or awesome, they're like, this game sucks. and I never want to touch it again. And it's actually bad. Like, that's. That's how it works. So it's really weird. I think it's really interesting 
that Baldur's Gate 3 has seen so much mainstream success because by all accounts, most people who play this game will never get out of the first 15 hours of that game. Like they will be replaying Act One for forever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think well, I think a lot of public from opinion from the start, it's interesting. Going by like kind of like how you can hear how much people repeat opinions they heard secondhand about movies and so on, and we're all guilty of this. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of stuff just becomes the overall discussion and buzz, which is part of why why advertising is so powerful and so on. Is that like yeah. Barbenheimer like if you just keep <laughs> if you just keep if you make an event out of something or you or it feels like it's the big thing a lot of people kind of will just add on like kind of just like agree with the thing and repeat the opinions and even give money to the thing just to feel like a part of the thing and be right about something and kind of contribute to that feeling yeah, of the thing completely kind of like the ever like the the nightmare I'm hearing about the upcoming like uh Taylor Swift concert movie or something being this like a wave of nightmare uh, so like to some extent, yeah, like it, 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 you kind of just have to successfully grab the attention of everything. And so like, if enough people just kind of glomp on the idea that like that, that like having this opinion about uh, Baldur's Gate is like the right move, that kind of just ends up being the sure. case regardless. Yeah, completely. And so, I mean, and I that matters. That, I think that, that's that to some extent matters more than people actually playing the game. For sure. But I think I think like, the point. I just the remember point like that remember Stray. Here, yeah, <laughs> remember a a very uninteresting game where you play as a cat and it's, it's kind of cute, but mechanically incredibly shallow. And there's just not much reason why it would get that much attention overall. But it became a meme to pay attention to Stray, so it it did disproportionately well than it ever would have in any other, other universe. Yeah. Like sometimes the I the discussion just goes so there. <laughs> Or the duck game, or whatever it's called. Goose, Goose game. game. Yeah. Goose, Goose game's a better well, like, video game than Stray. You yes. think so? Yes, by a significant margin. Yeah. But Stray is pretty. One of these games had systems cool. and puzzles and <laughs> things to think about, and the other one was you just... One of these games was just, just fucking Tomb Raider Legend without the part where you fight things sometimes. <laughs> People, I, I think you're completely right about that and that people want to be right and they, you know, uh, they they will try to do, uh, they'll try to be right and like repeat the opinions and whatever, all that. That makes sense. I think, I think what I'm saying ultimately though with like Baldur's Gate 3 versus Starfield versus all of these things is that like it's interesting how people's opinions form and one of the things that i think is a hallmark of success for baldur's gate 3 that is what is making this game special and making it have like an actual quote unquote like moment is that people are becoming enamored with it and being and doing interesting things in it in the first 30 minutes of the game like the game comes out swinging yeah. so hard and yeah. exposes yeah. you to so many cool things so quickly that even my mom playing it would be like, I, I am able, I'm able to light grass on fire and yeah. it actually does stuff in a conversation. I yeah, tried to do something is... with my mage. It's the opposite of the thing I complain about in Breath of the Wild where people, you know, spend two years playing the game and are like, if you light grass on fire, squirrels animate near it because they're looking for their acorns. Like, that shit is whatever. This game puts everything directly in front of you and says, hey, these are tools you can actually play with and they're fucking awesome. 
and if you keep playing you'll get more cool interactions like this are you not we enticed watched, we have been watching different zelda videos <laughs> i mean i was just making an example there but then fucking uh fucking starfield you start starfield and i have people telling me that you you don't even unlock full functionality and access to the game until you do like a 16 hour long main quest in a game that is supposedly all about being this big open <laughs> space exploration game. It's like Vault 101 what? all over again. Yeah, and like Vault 101 is whatever. It takes 15 minutes to get through. Yeah, That's, but now I mean, it's 10 sucks, hours of like, Vault whatever. 101. <laughs> exactly. Now it's 16 hours of Vault 101 for you to unlock the proper ships in your space suit so you can yeah. go do stuff. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, just make games interesting. If you have faith in your systems and you think your systems are cool, yeah. do cool shit with them immediately. The first thing Players Prey does dumb. to you They'll after understand. you finish the, the first thing Prey 2017 does to you after giving after finishing the intro is give you the glue gun. Yeah. <laughs> the one that lets you create platforms and do absurd interactions oh, and crowd control people and do everything. Like the the first thing it does is like, I, here's a wacky thing that isn't really yeah. a weapon. It's it's akin I, to so how like cool. the it's kind of like how the first thing that Lisa does is give you Terry, a character yeah. that can't yeah. fight. That, that the it, like mods still exist for this game too. It's not like Skyrim oh, yeah. is unique <laughs> in its in, in its ability. Like because that's a yeah thing too, that's the thing right? is people, that's people, why I say like play good games. I'm like the good games have mods too, guys. Yeah, like like Baldur's Gate three has mods, has mods and not yeah. just like not just boring mods. Like there are meme mods in here too. Like people are having a good time with this game yep. just as much as you would see in a bethesda game except the difference is the foundation is good so like when you see a meme you go well that's cool i don't have to worry if it's going to explode my computer because this, this game runs like trash <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah it's, there's uh but also yeah there's a lot more fun you can have like there there are more you can add more quests to this game um or companions and yeah companions I mean, there's all, like a lot of stuff you can do. no companions yet yeah. I, I custom uh, species and races and backgrounds oh, yeah. and oh. You do like oh yeah that, this. that's actually something that uh, i think a lot a lot of mods i've already worked on is uh making it a little bit more faithful to the tabletop earlier yep. Tulsar, you were saying that this is the the most uh, re uh, f f like loyal adaptation of the tabletop to to a pc game and it's true yeah. but also like they don't do it blindly which is awesome to see yeah like for example tiny things like the die you roll when you roll initiative instead of being mm -hmm. a d20 is actually a d4 and the reason why they do that is because as far as i understand it anyway they want the, your compa your they want there to be a higher likelihood that your uh, teammates are stuck together in the same turn so that they can you can mix yeah. and match because if you were a D20, you'd probably, well, in larger fights anyway, you'd never get your companions together. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't really affect who goes first anyway, because you're still, it's still chance. There's some other changes that, that, uh, that, uh, that are like that, the tiny, the imperceptible. And like it's just a, very even... important to front load what makes your game interesting as fast as possible yeah. to hook people. Oh, yeah. And yes. what, what happened is that people took a lot of the wrong lessons from games like... Yes. Uh, half-life 2 and bioshock is that they think that you need to have a linear canned uh narrative sequence that hooks people in in order to get them to like the game 
But those are often, especially since nobody actually values writers and world builders in these companies, uh, all the people that have tried to recreate what's good about the beginnings of uh, of Half-Life and, and Bioshock always fuck it up. They're always significantly worse. Like, they're almost always, half of them are about following a character that opens doors. They're tedious as yeah. shit. Like, Bioshock yeah. front-loaded its mechanics like yeah it did that with theming and everything else but but very rapidly yeah very very rapidly (laughs) you get mechanics like breath of the wild puts you on a plateau says go to four things and each of those four things gives you a new mechanic immediately and then like what the fuck can i do with this tears of the kingdom does the same thing where each new each trying that gives you a new mechanic then has level design between those locations that that encourages you to engage with those mechanics like physically building things that solve your problems so you can continue forward by having these like areas where there's like all that all that's between you and the next island is a rail create a vehicle that lets you get to the next thing like you're doing a game and it's you're engaging with the game what the game's capable of and like freaking uh the funny thing about divinity original sin 2 is that it's so chock full of mechanics that you will you will find them on accident immediately like how every every weird terrain or obstacle or oil or water or fire all propagates and interacts with things and so you like you'll quickly accidentally find the mechanics and things get really interesting really quickly and uh a struggle that a lot of these other games have is that like fucking like Vault 101 locks you in a room and has you just talk to a bunch of people as you're when you're a little baby child and then like slowly and like it it draws out the concept of of a character building screen over the course of several normal interactions like taking a test as a child by sitting down at a desk and stuff like that. And it's only and and then the actual then when the game actually starts letting you even do anything Vault 101 also just kind of refuses to let you make any choices or interact with the narrative or systems even when the combat starts happening you they still want you to fight things in the correct order and in the in the correct way and you have almost no ability to alter the outcome of what's happening in vault 101 and so just it takes so long to actually start playing anything that the game hopefully wanted you to actually experience that you're like you start you just start losing your mind Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I it's interesting too with the with the Fallout stuff that, and this is the other thing that like a thing about flimsy systems that really sucks is that like oftentimes the way that you like streamline this when you're actually pragmatically playing these games is you run around the room, you have your dialogues with everyone, you're just mashing A, and then at the end of this little section it goes, we've determined your character should be a big brute who wields a hammer, and then you just scroll down to the dialogue option that says, no, let me pick it myself, and then you just like fill it out (laughs) the way you wanted to in two (laughs) seconds. And it's just like, that is, it's such a bad way, I think it's so bad to introduce your mechanics to a game and try to set piece something and signpost something, and then say that's that's actually okay though. Uh, we we have no backbone. You can change that. Like if you want people to play something yeah. and do something, make them play it. If you want it to have consequences, yeah. make it have consequences. Stop giving them outs. It, no, and like I'm it not also saying, like these games are also never like try out our our new new age like test yeah. your personality, <laughs> create a character mode. It's always like you have to play this even if you're not going to accept the yes the consequences, which almost never no one will because like. Even in Fallout New Vegas, who wants to have a Rorschach test or whatever affect like your fucking actual stats? Yeah, exactly. You just want to build. You just want to build a character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, the th- like, but that's the really shape the industry. Uh, well, may- they shape themselves. I don't know if a lot of other companies do the same. But like, 
there's such a feeling that they're embarrassed of what RPGs do, which is or yep. historically do, which is get you a character creation screen at the start of the game before you have played the game. And like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a lot of criticism that you can make about that. But one of the pleasures of playing an RPG is making a fucked up character, finding out all sorts of things that you can improve and playing the game again and getting better results for the quests and stuff and like things yeah. that w- would work better. Like, obviously, that requires a game that is reactive, which Bethesda, they don't do that. No. But um, but Baldur's Gate in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 kind of didn't either. But at least, like, Baldur's Gate 3 just puts the character creation in the middle of the opening cutscene, which I think is a lovely <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and they are unash- unashamed about that. They just, here, create a character. It's D&D. There we go. I mean, it's an easier character creation, admittedly, than perhaps well actually i'm i'm being unfair it's h- harder to create a dnd character than in any character in a, a bethesda game so yeah. bethesda really like even in morrowind which i adore they they still have the, that whole thing where you can ask questions i never do but like you get you get these the, that full i forget his name actually from the census bureaucratics or whatever asking the entire bethesda about, formula is so Celis rough Gravius? because like, oh, how dare you remember <laughs> <laughs> Bethesda refuses to make games where your character has weaknesses. Yes, yeah. that's a huge their, problem. Their entire that formula, even since true. Morrowind, is to make a bunch of games where even if you might start out weak like you do in Morrowind, your character just can become good at everything at no cost everything. to anything else. Yes. yes. And like, there's a lot to be yep. said about like like Morrowind's their most interesting game that I've played, but even that one has like a lot of issues like this insistence yeah. on having like yeah. what like the system that's like akin to like what they would later like what uh what like like Molyneux would later do with fable for example where they're like ah you gain experience in a thing by doing the thing a lot so like yeah. oh so i i gain <laughs> so I, I i gain speech by using an auto clicker cool <laughs> good system yeah, yeah. uh I, I i gain sneak by just afking in a corner for 100 hours <laughs> cool system yeah. uh but like they haven't gotten better like by the time you get to like the the later games like fallout and stuff you're like it's still like even even when we play New Vegas, the worst parts of that game are the fact that it's still using a Bethesda model for its systems, 100%. which creates a hundred horrible problems, like how the fact that like you can just get the best weapon for your build like in the first hour of the game if you know where to get it, and then you'll never have to think about items for the rest of the playthrough besides maintaining a durability meter problem, every now though. and then. It is a problem. That's a good thing. It's not That's good. A good thing. It's not good because no? it's a game about exploring and looking at stuff and picking things up you and having that. and the and no, the, don't like, pick it. The I'm primary reward for most of its areas is places. This, this is like this is a fucking Drake meme right here. Is is like fucking whenever anyone ever complains about uh, the durability system in Breath of the Wild invalidating loot, and it's like th- this fucking this like ah no. Drake doesn't like durability in Breath of the Wild, but Drake does like having five hundred million unique weapons you'll never use because you already found the one good one for your entire the one you three hundred hour playthrough yeah. Fallout. Here's the reality. Invalidating loot is good, actually. That was that made my playthrough of well, new, the, my latest playthrough of New Vegas so good. I, I just had a, a power fist. That's it. I didn't pick up anything. It was amazing. It was lovely. It's bad. It, like I did it's similar so things. To, it, I mean, it, it does change the way you and explore. And they they can't, the solution. Loot, they can't find a solution. They can't find a solution for making loot actually worth doing, despite most of the game being about doing loot. They're relying entirely think, on people just I compulsively would. obsessing over picking up stuff. I don't think New Vegas. Like is people about just loot. 
people like instinctively want to walk around and grab loot constantly yeah. and they rely entirely on that they instinct do. without actually being able to justify it and even when they know that people do like that they still can't make it interesting their solution to fallout 4 was just to give everything a score and make it all apply yeah. towards some kind of <laughs> make base it a gotcha building game, metric. Basically. Yeah, because so it forces every, everybody who doesn't like loot. It forces exactly. Them to pick up it loot. forced everyone else it to start sucks. looking for adhesive when they didn't want to. Yeah, but like at least so in bad. Fallout New Vegas, I quickly filtered out the majority of items. Like, okay, cake, exactly. the, the 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 dandy cakes or whatever are relevant to my life, but I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, I'm still looking. I'm like I'm looking for bottle caps or whatever. Uh, yeah, even they are. This is a Metroid. Fair, but this still. is a Metroidvania issue as well. I mean, Symphony of the Night. I love Symphony of the Night, but one of the biggest issues with that game is that there are objectively better weapons than other weapons, and you can get them early. So oftentimes, your reward for exploring is picking up an item you'll never touch. Yes. Uh, and this is this is why I say it all the fucking time. Rumsoft solved the problem by making item descriptions a thing. They're a meaningful thing. They're a you reward. get narrative reward for finding items. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if you never yeah. find something, even if you never find something you're going to use, that's better than your Baldur's straight sword or whatever. Like you going to the second platform, killing some enemies, getting some souls. That's a benefit. Picking up an, a, a piece of armor. OK, maybe you're not going to wear it. Maybe it's too heavy for your build. But then in that armor, you read like Sir Lorian died upon the steps. And then you find a boss that is named Sir Lorian. Sir Lorian. Okay, now you know that boss is an imposter because Sir Lorian died upon the steps, and you picked up his armor. Maybe he's going to be weaker oh, that... to some other piece of lore. Like shit, like that happens all the fucking time, and it's a huge solution. So whenever I hear people talk about Bethesda games, and they're like, "Well, the point is the exploration and the environmental storytelling is really compelling." I'm like, the "Environmental no, storytelling is, is so is, bad." No, it is. It's so bad. It's nothing skeletons. good about it. Yes, there's Plastic nothing skeletons. good about it. Even in you New Vegas, even in New Vegas, the environmental storytelling is very Vegas. bad. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting it's to, I think I'm starting to piss people off level. a little bit, but I walk around and look at the actual environment and it's anti-storytelling. It's, it's unstorytelling. Yep, mm -hmm. One of the worst things about the entire Bethesda Fallout setting is the fact that they decided that it has to be aesthetically dilapidated because it's quote unquote the post-apocalypse. Yep. Even though the whole point of the setting is that it's set like like 50 to several hundred years after the apocalypse, depending on which game you're playing, which means I, I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, human beings figured out uh, woodworking and paint a long time ago. It's not like <laughs> <Yep>. a modern <laughs> discovery. So like yep. people would just make new buildings. Like I, 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 I look at the I, 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 people argue with me because they're stupid. They're stupid and wrong. Yes. You're all stupid and wrong. That's just how you are. I'm sorry, but you're so wrong as that. I went to and the stupid. fucking NCR, one of the NCR camps. And it's like it's a it's a clearly like a wood like a they built wood palisades and they have a bunch of tents made of like shitty corrugated metal and I'm like I'm not against the idea that they would grab random pieces of corrugated metal uh, and jam them together to make their temporary tents for their military base or whatever but like their their mess hall area is like it's like a just obliterated pre-apocalypse picnic bench under under a not finished overhang tent and it's diagonal crooked at like the whole thing's tilting at like 30 degrees could it's sitting on top of a random piece of, of discarded corrugated metal that's under it for some reason because some environmental artist was like we've got to make it look post-apocalyptic and it's like people yeah. <laughs> eat here 
people come here every day to <laughs> have their lunch and survive in the comforts of just being in us being a sad military man in the ncr on the horizon where like there's mutants over there there's a minefield over there there's a place right over there where people where ncr soldiers limbs are cut off and they're placed on top of a mine as a trap so that when you try to come to them to help them and you'll, you'll explode because the caesar's legion's so fucked up that they do traps like that you're gonna tell me that these poor ncr soldiers aren't going to just take out the piece of corrugated metal that's fucking up their bench so they can have a nice lunch on an even bench like just just move yeah. it just move it it takes one <laughs> second i would do it if it was a physics object to help them and in a similar it's level kind of like you go into all these different buildings like i i, f I found the uh i found where the where the pimp and the horrors are in uh in the like north vegas or something like that or west vegas oh yeah, yeah. i remember yeah and like Gamora they specifically whatever, go to right? great lengths to no not Gamora but like the 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 outsider no the other town yeah the outside oh town. oh gotcha gotcha the one that has they have three prostitutes a, a guy a lady and an older lady and every single person you talk to keeps talking about how like that lady is their most popular girl she's so good she'll rock your world and all that the actual apartment building they're in is full it's full of rubble. <laughs> It's completely full yeah. of rubble, and the, and the biggest pile of rubble in the entire area is blocking the door to her room, despite she, be, despite her be, room being the most trafficked location in the entire setting. And like, you go into her bathroom, and the fucking like the tub Everything is upside down, and there's a giant <laughs> pile of rubble skeleton. filling the bathroom, even though the ceiling is not collapsed. So you don't know where the rubble came from. Like, just basically they, they brought it in. It's our yeah. yeah, yeah, like to make the, it the, post. And like, otherwise her, wouldn't know. and like her bed and her furnishings are all nasty her entire floor is covered in like a random scattering of like newspapers and plastic wrappers and i'm like she is the premier prostitute of this entire neighborhood and this is where everyone fucks <laughs> like I, I can't even <laughs> yeah. i can't even process like it's it's 100 like bitch you live like this the meme but she's yeah. like the character that is specifically popular and like you're gonna tell me that people that people are picky about looks and they they like they they gossip in mean ways about the older prostitute and keep hyping up this prostitute left and right but this is the room it all takes place in and i'm like i'm so yeah. fucking horrified i'm like i can't you cannot play a bethesda game for five seconds thinking about how human beings live and exist and then and and rec and reconcile that with the fact that fallout is a setting that has been like this for literal decades and these are what the rooms and places years. like <laughs> like when you explore century. abandoned places full of ghouls and shit that's what it should look like but places that people live in right now and you're like yeah i like yeah. to sleep on i like to sleep on this pile of concrete on my bed it really helps with my back i'm like what the fuck you got how did you guys ever <laughs> how do you guys ever tell yourself this was environmental storytelling jesus christ like it's yeah. all akin it's to like skeletons it's, yes it's they, all they, it's all akin it's to how like the, re the red rocket at the beginning of fallout 4 because they never learned is a manned establishment that serves people food and has skeletons in the booths <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and like the trailer for Starfield, well, not trailer, but like the uh, one of the announcement videos where they talk about the priorities for Starfield. They mentioned, oh, we're famous for our environmental enver environmental storytelling. I had that video on my second screen. I paused the video and we, we <laughs> went back to it to see what they were showing as they said we're famous for our environmental storytelling. 
of course it was plastic skeletons that they were showing. I knew that in advance. Oh, I thought you were just, saying I you just... were streaming this game and you keep cutting to that quote every no, no, time no, no, you see no, no. like plastic I just, skeletons I was just doing or something. <laughs> I thought yeah, just... no, no, I was just doing some other stuff. I just noticed, that, oh wait, it said it in just, sort of That would just be, a, that just be a good showing. gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. I, they it's like the it's like lot. the equivalent of the it just works quote except actually saying something because that's just a boring meme. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I think just, too. But I the think thing like, is, the uh, there just, are sorry, good moments. Do, but if no the plastic skeletons, there aren't. Because no, the moment no, you start course, thinking about it, that like yeah. any any situation where not plastic skeletons, environmental storytelling or any game rather where environmental storytelling is mechanically relevant which uh, and by that i mean you know when it actually matters when it's not just aesthetics because of course yeah. you know bethesda wouldn't be a, Beth a bethesda game wouldn't be a bethesda game without plastic skeletons because the aesthetics but if it's a mechanically relevant thing like prey for example plastics uh, mm -hmm. sorry, uh environmental storytelling just assumes a very innate and sort of like intuitive kind of nature people understand what it yeah. is people know what it is you look you look at a table that's flipped up or flipped upside down you know somebody got pissed off yeah. uh, or maybe you know there, there's a chessboard on the floor you can tell what's going on by looking at the stuff that's yeah. like yes. basic 101 yes. prey is full and, of and, environmental and, storytelling tm yeah. actually and it's incredible. fallout is full well, of what, random clutter that that's somebody cool. made as fast as possible because they had to get this done yeah and, true. yeah yeah and they only what, have three assets to match together say... and reorganize slightly <laughs> Yeah, what I was going to say about environmental storytelling in these games is that sometimes there will be the presence of competent either environmental story or storytelling or quest lines. That's what people remember is they'll be like, I was walking around Zion and I saw a camp that had like yeah, some trash stuff. outside of it and like a, a smoking fireplace instead of a regular fireplace. And then I went inside and I, I followed like a wire, which is weird. Why was there a wire rigged out here? All the way down to a terminal and then oh, i found ulysses's terminal okay like that was like a, a little thread that yeah, i pulled yeah. and that's that's useful that's that's relatively clever it does and, exist. and yeah, yeah. good they remember that yeah. what they don't remember is the nine hours of kind of bland nothing burger gameplay and and storytelling and environmental stuff where like you walk into a room and for some reason, there's blood on a wall that's written like, get out. Raiders are bad. And it's like and then yeah. it trails down and there's a corpse next to it. And it's like, OK, even so the, like, even the just, act of uh, noticing those really crazy secret moments that are like well done requires yeah. you to have it requires you to still respect the environments yes. of a game that has actively disrespected your attention so far yes. for hundreds of hours. Because 100%. aggressively, these settings do not make sense and do not yes. have any continuity or moment-to-moment -moment, like logic to them. So when yeah. they suddenly do pull a trick that's actually interesting and people are like, why didn't you notice that? It's like, nothing makes sense in this entire Because the game did not train me to notice yeah. it. Exactly. In this fact, is, it, it punished me for yeah. noticing it before. And this is what, uh, this what leads to, the, to me. the like, fear jokes. and hunger issue of it all. Yeah, like this, this is what leads to my jokes of of like the bookshelf test which is like a tongue-in-cheek thing that i do with the environment of games where i'm like look let's see whether or not the bookshelves make any sense or if the books make sense or even if just the asset of like if you look at the bookshelves in general just like 
scans as being sensical and the funny mm-hmm. thing is that oftentimes you look at bookshelves you'll see like half the books literally are printed backwards or like yep. or there'll be an entire bookshelf that's spine in instead of spine out or just bizarre like oh we have one bookshelf we have one asset of books we and we copy pasted it and to break it up half of them are are projected backwards and half of them are spine in to make it look like we have three assets instead of one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the thing about that gag though, is that this entire, this entire genre where you walk around and pick up random objects hundreds of times per, per hour are games about looking at the environment and scanning the environment for useful objects. And therefore also about scanning the environment to see what this environment means for the narrative and what it could mean for potential threats and so on, which is only reinforced by how Prey cleverly does, in fact, have environmental storytelling and also makes the environment a random threat at per- periodically by having yeah. mimics added to it, which further encourages you cleverly to look at the environment, which adds in well to the fact that it has a Fallout 4 but good crafting system where everything does have like a score and a category, but it's all pared down to a sensical smaller scale series of things while also having tangible rewards for doing so that affect your character instead of being able to build like a cot at a base that doesn't matter uh and the recycling machine is super cute and i love those cubes and and recycling is a mechanic and a weapon you're like oh my god this game's cool and Uh, a grenade yeah yeah, but like the reason why no, that's the, the reason yeah, why yeah. I, I tug and cheek to the the bookshelf test and stuff like that is because of the fact that like yeah, like all these games encourage you to look at the environment, and so th- when when they're going to have the Bethesda formula of loot being so ever present and wa- and they're encouraging you to look at all these random knickknacks constantly, like that does mean you need to step up your environment game and have the environment itself make sense and the placement of the items make sense and the placement yep. of the items itself tells a story, which it does sometimes, but frequently does not and the act of, and then you then you have to then also make the all of the loot acquisition a worthwhile mechanic and all the and like the you discerning which stuff to grab and which stuff to not grab at that point needs to have some kind of interesting consequence be it like a limited inventory survival horror question of like what what sh- what can i bring on this run versus what do i have to leave behind yeah. or like you have to come up with some kind of mechanical depth to it but instead yeah. uh, the last like six bethesda games are just sludge they're just monotonous yep. gray sludge where nothing <laughs> matters and there are no decisions to make moment to moment on any mechanical level, really. And that leads to an outcome where with these with these situations where like, unfortunately, like, yeah, you there's no reason for it. You, you do just habitually grab a bunch of shit and then mod the game to let you walk even when you have uh, too many items in your inventory. And then you just spew it somewhere else, potentially, like, because there's just no real reason to think about these systems for the most part. And that's just yeah. disappointing. I think about this a lot. I mentioned this during my 24-hour stream when we got when we started playing Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines again because people wanted to watch me play that game. Uh I it's very interesting because a lot of the environments in that game are designed very well for their aesthetics but also taking into account the characters that live in those places and stuff. Um and it makes the moments where they don't make sense it would stick yeah. out very strongly. There's a there's a moment in the opening cutscene where you're in you're walking down a hallway with LaCroix, who is like the the big, the important vampire um who is in charge of everything. And he like walks up to this door with a push bar. And the door is like a Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 door where it's like four times the size of his player model and your player model is like his actual <laughs> Uh, model in game and so you just have this big honker door 
that he's standing in. And I realized the reason why it looks like this is because the hallway needs to be larger and wider than it is to fit both of the character models in it in the cutscene because LaCroix is also <laughs> walking with like the really big sheriff character at one point. And so it, the whole scale gets fucked up and then you leave and you turn around and you look at the door and it's a completely normal sized door. <laughs> it's just like, oh man. Like I it, never it's noticed fun. that detail. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed it right away. It's just a gigantic fucking door. And doors in games are, are often really big for whatever reason. So like, you know, yeah. you, I feel like we we can all make concessions to art design, to player need, to mechanical need. When I see a game and it has a bookshelf and I realize that it's actually just like 12 repeated assets in different formats, it's like, I'm like, okay, that just tells me that like, these are, this is the generic platonic ideal concept of what a book is. Yeah. Unless there's something important here that will this stick a, out. This I is don't a bookshelf in the video game it. control. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. the only bookshelf and, that can ever exist. <laughs> And and I think about that because I'm like, OK, well, then that that's that's cinematic language. That's telling me bookshelf is predefined asset. If you need to interact with bookshelf, you will know because it will be different looking or interact differently than the bookshelves that are clearly not interactable. Uh, and so when games don't do that and then just magically like this bookshelf looks exactly the same as all the other bookshelves, but you should know that you can rub up against it and press the X button to get a special book out of it. I'm just like, fuck you, game. Like, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, because you've, it, you've it, signaled uh, to me that this is a background element that I can filter out of my perception, which is the only, which is just a basic element of how humans exist and function in real life is that they don't treat every repeating element as novel. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if, you have, if you have to reobserve every room you ever walk into, you'll never do anything. And I, I think that's that's interesting too. And I mean that gets to that gets to why a lot of these like really good RPGs have lasted as long as they have. And like like VTMB has got its its fair share of issues that have thankfully been relatively ironed out over the course of the years of it having interesting patches i think this is what makes uh mods kind of an interesting part of this discussion because people i think it is very interesting that on day one of starfield's launch people went the mods will make it better they'll mod all the features <laughs> you don't want in you know you want in the game into the game but on day one of vampire the masquerade bloodlines release people didn't say mods will make it better People said it's a shame that the devs weren't able to like finish the game that is already here that has promise that they were not allowed to finish due to deadlines and uh, contractual obligations. And so something about like the reason why I can very straight facedly say, you know, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is my favorite, you know, computer role playing game other than maybe, you know, Planescape Torment or, you know, whatever all of these, you know, other classic ones are. The reason why Vampire the Bl you like Bloodlines... You like Planescape Torment better? Uh, I don't think I like Planescape Torment, but I'm just saying, like, the handful of games that rise to the cream of the crop that anyone could say they really love. Oh, right, right. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is my favorite, and the reason why I'm so harsh against, like, Starfield or, you know, the Outer Worlds or whatever those games are... Um, 
for being unfinished in stuff when they come out is that the game that was delivered for Bloodlines, even with its flaws, showcases the more interesting systems that it failed to deliver on due to its problems at launch. The version of the game I am playing now with this fan patch that restores, you know, some of the content and, and patches up these systems is still more of the same game that I played at launch than Skyrim with mods that make with combat actually good yeah. are. Yeah. Like, I'm not, when I play the fan patch of VTM Bloodlines, even with all the plus features, even with all the restored content, I'm still just playing with the systems that were designed. Like, everything that I can do with those patches, outside of the fact that they, like, restore a few abilities and re restore a few, like, broken things that were left out of the game and, you know, make it so that you can finish a quest line, that was all basically in the game. Like, the things that I'm doing there are no different than what we're, what is there in vanilla in that regard. Unlike, say, when I play Skyrim and I mod Dark Souls combat into the game to make combat not brain dead. And so that's why I'm so irritated with stuff like Starfield, where people are like, the mods will make it better. Well, you like Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. That's... That's a buggy game. Why why did you give that game a pass? And it's like, I'm not giving that game a pass. That game was better. That game was a more interesting game in its vanilla unpatched state than whatever your version of Starfield is with your yeah. 47 big booby mama, no inventory weight, no weapon decretation mods are. Like well, this, what this are gets you talking to a, about? a very specific way that people talk about video game quality that deeply infuriates me. This ties into like cyberpunk and stuff like that. Which yeah. is that when people say people are so permanently tied to the idea that quality equals like the equivalent of like getting grades in high school, like yeah, you are like everything is inherently perfect, and then everything you do wrong is a detraction from that score. You take penalties, and so like things that are wrong with a game are why a game doesn't have a good score or something like that. So like at least this this bizarre way of leading, talking about games where it glitches and things being yeah. broken are what's wrong with the game and the absence of glitches and things being broken is what's good about a game and so when people talk about a game being good they talk about when people talk about a game being bad supposedly they immediately like like auto correct that into into meaning that it's glitchy and so whenever yeah. they talk about like this this is the thing that drove me crazy about cyberpunk is that people, the narrative about it constantly was that, oh, it'll be good later after patches. And yeah. I'm like, no, because like <laughs> patching glitches and weird open world idiosyncrasies and funny moments out of cyberpunk doesn't address the fact that down to its core, it is a fundamentally uninteresting game. Like Definitely. It, 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 it completely drops its story and shatters it. But most importantly, the entire game has basically no mechanically interesting things to do it's not going anywhere it does not have you are not making systems any worth engaging with it just fundamentally yeah. is a bad rpg because they didn't make a good rpg it is the it is yeah. not the presence of glitches it is the absence of quality and quality patches yeah. like polishing patches don't address that and so like yeah. when you t when you compare the idea of modding uh vampire the masquerade or or at some points uh new vegas to make them 
or or KOTOR 2 to make them less broken yeah. and more complete, that is not comparable to the idea of taking a basically blank slate like a Bethesda game and trying to mod it into being actually engaging. Those are completely yes, different completely. goals addressing completely different problems. And one of them is a lot more successful because you can fix yeah. glitches of a, of a bad game of a good game much more easily than you can uh, try to make a, a bland game interesting by trying to essentially bolt a different game into it, which is what happens yes. with these Bethesda games. Like, or or cyberpunk like they're just not there's just nothing there to begin with and the fact that the police act weird isn't the problem <laughs> them them yeah. adding a, a, a slightly different police behavior doesn't uh, doesn't address the fact that like the game was never and will never be good it is the biggest I, problem I, I, oh go on sorry i was just gonna add a, a caveat to that um I think there are some people who play games like Cyberpunk and like Skyrim who just do not care one iota about any plotline, any storyline, nothing. It's they 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 just they might even skip dialogues that are crucial play, main storylines. It doesn't matter. And to the yeah. point where they like the the concept of stop stopping not thinking about the game at all after you finish it is just a normal thing to do for for uh, yeah for a lot of people, and I think that's that's fine to enjoy games like that. Uh, but I also think that that sort of people are the ones that are easiest to, uh, you know, those are probably the ones that are that are going to be convinced by an argument that oh, it's going to be fixed later, so it's going to be good. Because I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure Cyberpunk is a fun game if you just want to engage with the systems. Uh, but in but yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true. I agree with you on on the. The yeah. criticisms of cyberpunk one of the things that i think about with cyberpunk in the reason the thing that immediately made me go i don't like this game is uh basically i was like i'm gonna play some stealth and i'm gonna see like how the immersion and the immersive sim elements of this game that have been so hyped up are i got a review copy of this game by the way so this is my official state my official feelings on it which means you can CD disregard Project his opinions as, as a be, this. you can disregard him paid, as a games journalist <laughs> um i uh i knocked out an enemy and then it was like hide the body and then I turned immediately to the right of where the enemy was, and there was a dumpster. And I put the body in the dumpster because the prompt came up to put the body near the dumpster. And then the level, the, there were no line of sight issues, and I could just, my stealth, my whole me playing stealth in this immersive sim environment was, I pushed two buttons. I walked up behind someone and I pushed the kill, you know, the stealth kill button, and then I pushed the put them in the receptacle for bodies so that they can't be found button. And that was it. And I didn't even need to find the, the box. It was just right there. And I played for another 15 hours. And every single time there was someone to knock out the perfect receptacle and solution to their, their body being a potential liability and a trade-off for me playing stealth was right next to them. Every... <laughs> single <laughs> time every oh, no. single yeah. time it happened and i just like there was never a point in the game where the game said hey toaster think about what you're doing think about the trade-offs it was just hey toaster here are the buttons for you to push 
It was like someone put a keyboard in front of me and said, it's not connected to a computer. You can just push the buttons on it and imagine that you're having a fun time. The and entire, I went, Ooh. So the, the entire game just, was a, was one of Wheatley's test chambers. Exactly. Like, do it. Here's exactly. the room where you win. Just do the, you finish the chamber. There you go. You did it. Do I, it again. I think, <laughs> I think one of the problems, at least with that particular instance, is that a lot of them are, sol- are like, a lot of those buildings or instances where you would stealth have that in mind. And so they just assume that, like, yeah, if you're going to stealth, well, you got to hide the body somewhere. So, like, every time you would ever want to do stealth, there's always someone who thought that and went and put things in there to facilitate that. And it's weird it's just, because, like, every area feels like it's built to be solved in a certain way by certain yeah. different methods. But because they're built like that, it means you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah you could stealth. Yeah, like there's it, no consequence. Like it, it, yeah, it, can't you e- it can't even achieve, like, a Batman Arkham Asylum level of, like... Well, here's a little like puzzle box of room to kind of unpack about like, okay, you can stand in these places yeah. and these spots yeah, are takedown spots and these characters are patrolling and what order you to go after them in or what consequences will be there will there be there for fucking up and is there a vent that attaches that spot to that spot? See, and, that's like basic you, stealth gameplay. That's like Metal yeah. Gear Solid. Well, yeah, because increasingly sort of... AAA games do not have systems or yeah, goals. Yeah, just... They just well, like, have levels saying... that you are rewarded for doing the one thing in. Yeah. I mean, what Andrew is saying is true. They are designed so that all, you know, things are functional. But what bothers me is that rather than being designed holistically as a like, okay, well, if you want to do stealth here, here is how you do it perfectly. Here's, you know, there's a dumpster on the other side of the room and you have to wait and engage with the enemies that are patrolling. The answer is always, well, there's a box right here. And as a result... It stops feeling like a game that has been designed by people who are too conscious of the players and instead feels like every single interaction in every single space in that game was designed by a different team member who did not know what anyone else was doing and thus had to account for all options in their single micro interaction. So this it's is like, my oh, dumpster. It was made for me. Yes, exactly. When They're you like, are born right, well, in the cyberpunk universe, you just have a dumpster somewhere in that exactly. city. And the moment you walk near it, you'll be stealth takedown and put in that dumpster. And it was exactly. always, it was literally, literally made for you as a person. Enjoy that existential yes. <laughs> horror. That's more interesting than anything that happened in the fucking game. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, that's what bugs me about all these big open world games is, as you said, Keith, like, they're systemsless. They they gesture at the concept (laughs) or the idea of systems and interesting ways to play, but they don't enable them and they're not conscious of them. It's every single aspect of these games is taken for granted, not just by the players, but by the designers as well. And it makes them feel shallow it makes them feel void of interaction so i literally i i mean this very sincerely it's going to come off as very rude and aggressive but i don't care like i could have just as much fun as i would playing skyrim just by closing my my eyes and imagining fireworks because the same <laughs> level of interaction is happening. In fact, having an imagination might be more engaging than than eating whatever is in front of me. And the people who think that these games are very good, they are settling for less. You could be yeah. having a more interesting time. Just close your eyes. One of the roughest things <laughs> Just about... Just close your eyes. Watch paint dry. Like, it's cooler than what you're doing. 
one of the roughest things about open world games in general, why I'm increasingly disillusioned and frustrated with them is that like more and more and more, they started all chasing Assassin's Creed, but then what they eventually did is they mm-hmm. all started chasing Far Cry 2. Including all the pre all the 2? Far Cries. Far Cry that, 3. Yeah, but I, I mean Far Cry 3 of. is also chasing Far Cry 2. It's just the Far Cry 3 is the takeoff. The, the Far Cry 3 is the one that was that that got especially successful. But like mm. all of these games are chasing Far Cry, and what's so frustrating is that even the Far Cry games are themselves like these increasingly like it's like when you 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 mat you put two mirrors face to face and they just get green the reflection yeah. gets greener and greener in the distance like it just loses fidelity from the imperfections of the reflection it's like instead of progressing and coming up with new systems and new solutions and new ideas they, it, there's such an incestuous looping thing of chasing far cry 2 that you only get games much akin to the one games try to recreate the bioshock opening you only get games that are like Far Cry 2, but less over and over yeah. and over. And then they're copying games that were that. And like the what happens is the lineage gets lost. And then you're, you're they have games that don't even know about the original influence and are instead copying the thing that copied the thing, which then just keeps getting less and less detailed. And it's, it's like layers of simulation, essentially. And so it leads to this thing where it's like, okay, well, the Far Cry franchise was about these series of camps that you take out. And there's different ways to approach the camps, but specific and like and like you can see this in uh, Ghost of Tsushima and in so many other modern games. Like yeah. there's, there's so many games where it's like here's the camp, defeat all the camps on the map. The camps have these units in these positions. Some of them patrol. There's and you can approach it from any direction because it's an open world game. Here's your tools you have, which is always a hybrid of going loud or opening with stealth. And all of these games are forgetting the fact that start that Far Cry Two had weapon degradation, weapons that could jam. It had a disease your character had that could act act up, act up at random intervals to, th- to throw off your plans. It had fire propagation, where a significant percentage of the of the gameplay in the game, from like weapons firing to normal combat to like literally the backfire that happens behind you from your rocket launcher firing, all can start fires that then create an ever-moving, you know, Divinity Original Sin 2 style hazard thing that both you and the enemies both have to deal with. It had enemies that would react differently to being shot in different ways and would even, like, return to resisting and fighting you from a prone state after they were seemingly down but not all the way out. Like, it had so many systems going on, and all of the games that have copied it, including its own sequels, have only recreated some of those and not the rest while not adding anything yeah. else to the game. And so we're getting what happened is that the modern AAA open world formula is based on a game that had mechanic that interesting mechanics to engage with, like kind of like the pathologic and so on. Like it had its own identity and things for the player to yeah. do. And all of those have been sanded off to just be a series of goals you do. And so, like, it's why it's why it's not fun yeah. anymore to like be like I'm well, gonna I mean, go t- I'm gonna the, go take out with, this this camp because it's like oh I I literally will not remember this camp after I do it yeah like it will not well, it, will have, it will have it frictionless. The thing with Far Cry Two that made it really interesting too is that all of these systems, on top of being interesting systems that the whole game is built around on its own, they're all very ludo narratively tied together. They exist for a reason that is constantly yeah. being driven by the narrative of that game which makes you feel like you're doing something purposeful anytime it comes up. And then they just, none of the others, every single time 
the the conversation comes up about Far Cry 2 versus Far Cry 3, people who really loved Far Cry 3 were like, well, Far Cry 2 was like hard and it it was kind of janky and it didn't you had to really play the game the way it wanted you to play. And Far Cry 3 is better because it sands all that off and you get to do all the fun things you could do in Far Cry 2 without having to like do what it was asking of you. And whenever I like read that take, I'm just like doing what it asked you to do and finding a way to like find a compromise between that and what you wanted to do was what made Far Cry 2 interesting. It's also like the premise of any kind of like video game level. Yeah, that's what levels are. Yeah, they're a conversation. Like, like, they're they're you <laughs> interacting with the game and solving the problem, and the 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 way of of trying to appease people for mass market is to remove all gameplay from games over time. Yeah, to just make a sandbox where you don't really interact with or nothing's really asked of you. And it's like that's why we have game... that's kind of there is kind of a backlash in that like there's like these games that are notable for in that their success is directly attributable to the extent to which they actually do expect things of you again. And people are like almost like shocked by the idea that games can be that way in the first place. Yeah. Well, like game design just as a concept is like it's a conversation. It's call and response. The developer puts something in front of you uh, thinking about how you'll respond to it. Then you respond to it. And then generally some of the best games in the world, uh, games that are worth playing will then not necessarily emergently, but sometimes it can feel this way, respond to the things you are doing. And a good designer is able to predict how players will interact or will at least be able to create a framework within which players' interactions will respond to the game and the game can evolve to those interactions and do interesting things. Uh, And that doesn't necessarily even mean randomization. Like, there are examples of games that are just like, Level one, you learn a mechanic. Level two, you test the mechanic. Level three, it introduces an obstacle to that mechanic that you then need to figure out how to deal with. Like, that's just game design 101. And more and more and more, I feel games are just not evolving from that level one. They'll say, here's a mechanic. And then that's just the mechanic for the whole game. And I'm not even saying like it. It's, it's the funniest not deep, thing about the like, Portal franchise is that most of the Portal franchise is about Ludo narratively explaining to you game design to you as a player. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's extremely, it's extremely funny. And like, it's just really frustrating to me. You know, there there can be core mechanics in games that don't need to evolve over the course of a game. If something works, it works, right? It's just it's exhausting to constantly be met with these games that people are like, it's bigger and it's badder than it's ever been. It's the coolest game ever and the systems are so deep. And then I go to engage with them and it's like, oh, I guess I can like, I guess I can like set the the grass on fire and nothing seems to really interact with that. Okay, well, um, oh, I, I, it will do damage to me. I guess I can take damage. Uh, everything else does damage to me too, huh? Well, that was one dimensional like that. That whole experience is so exhausting to me as someone who likes these engaging games that it's really hard for me to get drummed up about Far Cry 27. This time the map is 30 miles bigger. Like it's like great. Unfortunately, the map is going to feel just as empty as the last one because there's you, nothing to fucking do. In did it. you feel did you experience the existential nightmare that is uh, playing Far Cry 5? No, of course not. I haven't I haven't bought an Ubisoft game in, in forever. 
Far Cry 5 was so fucking brutal because it took all of the sanding off of everything and made it so there was the whole thing was a frictionless nothing, but also added skydiving, which is interest, which is like exciting for a moment, but ultimately it just means that you can fall from this. <laughs> you can just call press a button to to fast travel, but you fast travel into the skybox above your objective and and dive at it. That's just what you do over and over again. It's Fortnite with bots. And That's what you're making it sound yes. like. Yes, yeah, it's Fortnite with bots. You're playing Fortnite. Yes, actually, the Fort. Well, Fortnite bots are more dangerous. <laughs> but but yes, no, it really is like playing bot matches of Fortnite, where you're just in a big open map and you keep drop, you keep air dropping over and over again, and then the enemies are just like a nothing sludge. But no, what was so brutal about Far Cry Five is that they managed to remove pacing from the experience on top of everything else. Like, they're only removing everything else over time. Like, to the point, like, the game still has no mechanics. They've sanded them all off since 2. But now, also, the game doesn't have, like, escalation and de-escalation of stakes. Because Far Cry 5 will fucking spawn enemies to attack you on a timer for the entire playthrough. And I don't mean, like, Fallout oh New Vegas. You're, I don't mean Fallout New Vegas, a, a, fra- a faction's mad at you, so, like, once every two hours a hit squad shows up. I mean, like, every minute or so, more enemies come after you. So, like, at wow. any, to the point where, like, there are moments where you can, like, walk over and see, like, these characters interacting or this little bit of quote-unquote environment storytelling and you can't even like take a moment to process any of the level design or things happening around you because inevitably a fucking jeep will just show up and people start shooting at you out of nowhere because they just are always coming after you and finding you so it's like it's not even wow, about that's the same that's yeah. the same as what happens with the with the, the, the that shooter the the other shooter from Ubisoft, it's fucking the, vampire the survivors one. what it is <laughs> what is it called i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah it, it does yeah uh ghost recon Breakpoint. Ghost Recon Breakpoint does the same thing. It's basically Ghost Recon. I played Far Cry Five. It turns out it's just uh, under a different. I I remember. Yeah, it was both Ubisoft games. So the the, the same design philosophy of just removing every element of the game over time, except the pay-to-win mechanics. You can you still have a shop that you can buy. (laughs) You know, you can pay to win. But sure, get get your pre-order cosmetics for the game. That's just a continual combat sludge for every second of its experience. Not uh, just cosmetics, you also get time savers, which yeah, are called oh God. cheats. They're cheats. Yeah. With, with, pay to play to the pay. game less. Yeah, or, or or just cheat at it by you know having more. Apparently, experience. you don't like a game enough to play it all the way. So here's a way to pay more to <laughs> so play it stupid. less because you've so tied the hip. As a person who wants to mod Bethesda games into being good, you're so tied to the hip to three games existing per year and nothing else existing yeah. that you're just fucking stockholm syndroming through this experience and paying more to have less of it instead of just learning about more games when there's it's easier than ever to find other games that are good they're infinite people that it's, whose job it is to show them to you and like they're surfaced on every store indie stuff is more around well, than ever there's store. just but Steam a lot more than they were like there's yeah. just there's so many opportunities to just find games and try them out and play them instead of being the That's equivalent true. of like the guy who just buys Madden every year, but for shooters, and it's wow. like I <laughs> for sure I think in particular the Ubisoft games, the what you a, a good cure of getting you know stopping buying Ubisoft games. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but a cure a good cure is to pay attention to the writing, pay attention to attention to the story, and be critical about what their people are saying. You know, you're not gonna get you know you know not gonna not gonna be like 
YouTube YouTube uh, essay level kind of critique critique, and all of a sudden just start coming up with oh this is actually some Foucault philosophy whatever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna do that. But pay attention to the writing, and you're gonna—it's—it's it's gonna piss you off. I promise. I'm you. never gonna outlive these panopticon <laughs> accusations. My my big thing is just like think about what games are making you do, and I don't—I don't mean that in a like Bioshock. What if you're just listening to orders, or like, what if you're the villain? <laughs> actually, like that's not what I mean. I just mean like when a game. Pay attention to what a game is making you do, and see if it aligns with what you're doing. For example. If a game tells you choices are really these choices are really hard and there's going to be really big consequences and then the reward is you get some gold and some negative karma or you get a cool gun and a companion and some positive karma um th yeah. then maybe consequences aren't as bad as the game is telling you and implying you uh would have to deal with uh and maybe that game isn't actually very well written or very well designed <laughs> Wow. Shots fired um, at Fall 3 and Fall 4. Yeah. Fall 4 is a shit terrible video game. And if you like so it, bad. get the better standards. Get higher standards, please. That's also, all I'm saying it, about that. But it's so many yeah. hours, Toaster, and you can but, systematically but minesweeper across the map to find more icons that say you can go into a building to yeah. read emails. But also, You know what I like? I really like the smell of gasoline out of the muffler of a car, but you, you don't do see that. me turning my car on with the garage door closed. That's all I'm no, saying. That, that. Have higher standards. Also, play also, things. What that are do you, than do you for. like the smell of gasoline? Is this? I is do. This, I really like the smell of gasoline. Is this for the, for the, the toaster for character throat. sheet? <laughs> we need to update, yeah, need to update the refs. I do. My as well, point is for your throat. My point is people people like heroin. It doesn't make it good for you. <laughs> okay. Like heroin, like, heroin gets a bad rap. Let's. Uh, no. What I'm a, saying is that people like bad things. A lot of Liking them does not this. make that's them not bad. That, I'm sorry. That's, that was a callback. This uh, podcast is going to be getting me in trouble. <laughs> what What is up with Bethesda and their obsession with having robot characters that talk for more than ten minutes right in the first starting hours of the game? Fallout Four does it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Starfield does it as well. And it doesn't do it in an interesting way, like Claptrap or something. Claptrap was bad. It wasn't very good. But, you know, for, for who cares? It was still better than Cos, Cos, Cogsworth or whatever his name is that's <laughs> for two hours in Fall 4. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Uh, th this kind of ties into what we have been talking about, specifically about the post-apocalypticness of... Um, Bethesda games or Fallout, uh, Bethesda's Fallout. I think Bethesda doesn't respect the Fallout setting well enough. In, oh no, because not at all. What? <laughs> in this, not, not. Not, not the Fallout franchise, but the setting itself. Sure. Because it's just it's just so shallow and and threadbare in in its aesthetics that the least like what Keith was pointing out is 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 you know basic obvious things that you know pe the world looks like it exploded last week not 200 years ago and it, with such shallow foundations to the set the setting as a whole you can't really build worldwide storytelling that, or the kind of worldwide storytelling that a game like fallout 3 and Fallout 4 and new vegas uh, requires and i think the strength of new vegas is precisely because it doesn't build on that worldwide storytelling it goes to 
the characters and it goes to this to the politics new, rather than yeah new vegas the, is like inherently a metaphorical game as well it is very oh, much just so like much, these yeah. care these characters simply represent philosophical ideals that don't actually yeah. exist in reality and only yeah. exist in this weird constructed setting we made which is like that's kind of cool that's one yeah, way the game around be- it i guess the game becomes an av- an abstract avenue or rather a, f- a tangible avenue to an abstract concept that you know yeah. if you don't want to pay attention to it you miss out on the game and that's yeah. why uh and that's why keith was always saying that he played new vegas but he didn't really because he was you know watching a hearing podcast in the background um or whatever <laughs> uh and that's oh yeah fair. i had a real i just had a real bad achievement era where i multitasked video games so badly that i didn't internalize them at all with like near and uh fallout new vegas and so on to the point where like most of what i'm doing in fallout new vegas i'm like i don't remember any of this happening I beat this game. I definitely... I don't remember what the ending first time, I got. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I played Grand Theft Auto 4, I played it entirely while, uh, with the game basically on mute while listening to uh, 1UP FM and the 1UP the show and stuff like that on podcast. Like, just like literally hundreds of hours of podcast playing that. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I I was playing video good. games wrong, where just for a whole period of time, I was so motivated by achievements that that became, like, what I would look for. And so I was, like, I was pursuing, like, the actual goals half the time. But I was also, like, in the middle of, like, discovering the ability to have podcasts and YouTube videos playing in the background for multitasking. And just in general, guys, if you're doing that, and I know it's dangerous because I'm the YouTube videos, maybe even right now. But, like, if you're doing that for, like, Satisfactory or, like, Hangout like sandboxy games okay sure if you're doing that for like near automata uh you're probably getting a very compromised experience and uh people never fully understand how much they're missing out by multitasking because you never know what you're not getting yeah yeah like oftentimes but i've I've been i often wonder when people have like a uh a, a very flat experience with games that are known for being a big deal uh i always wonder to, to some extent if they were like not really fully engaging with it to begin with and didn't give it its fair chance because sometimes when people like yeah no, it was it was whatever it wasn't very good uh that's always valid but there are definitely times where i'm like did were you listening to critical role the whole time were you <laughs> like were you not even engaging with the thing because like i like a I always think back to like a friend of mine who uh was it we got we I had my my box set of of uh of DVDs of all of the run of heroes and me and my friend were going to sit down and watch it and he seemed to be into it and all that and and uh but he kept getting distracted by like text message conversations throughout oof and so like I'd be like, oh, I can go back. I can, I can rewind it. It's fine. I'm just trying to accommodate this awkward thing. We did not end up finishing ultimately, but it was just like this thing that he supposedly wanted to do. He kept getting distracted by his phone, and people think they can multitask, but they can't. Because if I ever quizzed him on what actually happened in the episode, he couldn't actually answer the basic questions because he has no idea what he missed by multitasking when he glanced down at your phone for a bit i do this all the time because like i at times it can be a long time a long time to fully focus on a show for an entire episode so every every now and then i'll get like a discord notification or I'll respond to something or i'll or i'll 
clear my Twitter notifications or something like that. And then I'll realize, like, hang on a minute. I don't think... I'm pretty sure I don't know what just happened. And I'll, like, manually rewind, like, the last 10 minutes of a show that I'm watching and rewatch it. Because yeah. it's, you can so easily slip your attention away from something and then just not internalize any of it. But not feel that. And then just move on. And then you then and that's bad for like most forms of entertainment that you might be engaging with. Like you'll have you'll you'll like have all these there's all these cool moments in the shows you're watching that are callbacks to this or that character element or developing that arc or or a big moment. But because you like missed some of the steps along the way and didn't even register that you did, like the show isn't even going to hit you right anymore. I think about how like think, the difference like, yeah. a version of that kind of happens. Uh, we get a version of that with with uh, furry visual novels, which is that we have an audience that is experiencing re-experiencing them through either me and Toaster or me and Stephanie, and they're picking up on so much that they didn't the first time. And some of that's because we discuss it, but it's also the fact that like we we're discussing these things and picking up on these things in part because we are reading them together in a slower pace. And a lot of these yep. people download these games on their phones and kind of tapped away at them. And it's very easy to kind of scan text and tap through it or even like hit a kind of boring section and just start pressing. And you can just like tap the screen a few times and you're, and you're past it a bit akin to like how people like like if you're playing a smut for a uh, visual novel for just to get to the scenes, for example, uh, but like when you're t- playing these like serious narrative driven ones like Echo and Ed Astra and so on that have a lot to get through. It's very easy to let your attention, even in a game where you have to press continue to continue most of the time, it's very easy to get to let your brain drift a little bit and just not actually really read a whole chunk yeah. of it. I think this is all true. I, I I sort of disagree in some regards, which is I think people are actually better at multitasking than they think they are, but I think they apply it incorrectly. And what I mean by this is People have a very bad barometer for figuring out what needs attention and what is superfluous. And what I'm, I think this is really exemplified by both the way media is created nowadays and also the types of media that people consume. And a really great example of this is, uh, is anime. Um, I know from experience... Being someone who speaks Japanese fluently, <laughs> that most anime can be watched. And I'm just talking about like trash production anime. When I say most anime, know that there are over 500 shows produced each season. So I'm not talking about the big, I'm not talking about your, your, this is a masterpiece, Violet Evergarden, dialogue driven, beautiful shit. I'm talking about the day to day shonen jump kind of crap for the most part that most people read or, or watch. Nine times out of ten, these things are designed to be consumed passively. And uh, part of the reason for this is that there's so many redundancies in how stories are told and how things are communicated. I can watch most anime at two times speed on a second monitor and not miss a fucking beat because any time something is explained or is important or anything that needs to be remembered or anything that is meaningful is going to be telegraphed to the point where like the characters will say the proper noun three times in a row and then someone's dialogue will summarize it and then the music will swell and I look over and I see it and then that's how it works. I'm not going to fucking do that when I'm watching Yellow Jackets. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between the two different modes of conversation and the two different modes of media. 
And so when people do this thing, they're like, like, would I ever fucking listen to a podcast while playing Pathologic 2? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. What? What? Why would I ever do that? That game is a full brain experience every moment that I'm doing it. Will I listen to a podcast while playing Vampire Saviors and, or, and or Vampire Survivors and still say I fully understand Vampire Survivors? Yeah, I would, you know? And I think it's that that inability to understand that the modes of media can be different. Like, I think a lot of people look at movies and go, this is a movie and that's a movie. They're both movies. I should engage with them the same way. And it's like, no, you shouldn't. Both movies can be different things. The way you engage with them can be really different or different books or different media, what have you. Um, and so what you're saying is absolutely true, especially with people like zoning out while like, reading a furry visual novel my eyes glaze over half the time when we're reading password because it conveys information really poorly and it's hard to pay attention to i get it i've been there but uh but i do think that there are times where like i don't i don't think you're gonna miss anything by watching some critical role while you play grand theft auto 5 i know because i'm playing grand theft auto 5 and listening to podcasts while i do it at late at night right now Grand Theft Auto V is not a very well-written game. I'm sorry. I, I played a little oh, bit. It's a decade old now. Poor value. I, I think, play it to keep I think, my hands I think, occupied. I think Grand Theft Auto V wants to be a well-written game. It, no, it I think wanted. It, wants to be. it doesn't I think want to be a well-written I think Fallout 5... I, think, I, I, think, I don't know I said Fallout 5. I think Grand Theft Auto V is trying to be a prestige game with its writing. I think, I think it very much takes itself super seriously. That's it does. I mean, but, here. but it's it, a comedy. It, <laughs> it's a comedy, so I don't know if I would say it takes itself super seriously. But I, I think, I think it. I the think the story does, the does with the gravity it gives to its character arcs and their setups and so on, and like yeah. the and like how, especially the, uh, yeah, like especially the main character and so on, or the kind of main character. But there's no yeah. new ones. It's very yeah, but I mean, it very well, much wants to be like at the at the time it was going for being the best written game. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it, but. What I'm saying about this is that that's all in cutscenes. So, like, if I'm yeah. listening to a podcast while I play, I don't miss anything about Trevor's character or any of these other things. Like, Franklin's character is not lost on me because very little is actually conveyed through mm -hmm. the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay outside of you're doing a bad mission, someone in the car made fun of me. Like, there's not a ton of super deep Ludo narrative being lost there. I just need to pay attention during cutscenes for the most part. Sure. Yeah, things have different modes of gameplay. Like even pathologic, a significant uh, number amount of pathologic, especially the higher specs playthrough of pathologic one, I directly associate with uh, philosophy tubes voice because I would play the date. I would play the because like I I already beat the bachelor storyline, so I'm now better at pathologic. I understand its systems better. I can optimize time better, mm -hmm. and it led to a thing where it's like well. A not insignificant amount of uh, of Artemis playthrough is optimizing herb and herb picking and like organ harvesting and so on. And so yeah. if I start repetitively breaking into the same houses or repetitively checking the same field over and over again, I'm not going to film that part for the playthrough. I'm going to go ahead and skip over that part until the morning and the next yeah. storyline start. And so, and so that that would become like a kind of busy work podcasting moment, even though it's pathologic. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's where Pathologic Two improves on the first game the most. Besides, By not having a second campaign. 
<laughs> no, no. Oh, well, it has the second one. It has that's the that's the, it. Just I think making it so that the midnight is not a breaking point is just everything is fluid. May, means that you don't have dead time. Oh yeah, pa like, pathologic so one. Pathologic two had more uh, long term goals because it had storylines that would be around for four days at a time. So you were juggling more things to deal with. It also just had more threats and more it things did, that added yeah. frictions and that you couldn't. Quests. Like yeah. pathologic one. For as chunky and challenging as it is in many cases, it does offer a fair number of relatively, uh, like once you get into it, there are definitely routines you can just set into that are beneficial to do and that aren't that hard to execute. And that can kind of mm -hmm. just become filler time that detracts from the, the tension and experience. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it has already accomplished the goal of getting you to even beat it once to be that in tune with some of the stuff, which is its own accomplishment. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially you know, then if you survive all the way to the third campaign, by the time you're in the middle of Clara's campaign, you're kind of like, why, why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I, yeah. why am I still here? <laughs> Even the game didn't isn't fully here with me. I'm, I feel like the game, like I showed up and the game didn't to some extent. <laughs> yeah, the path, it's it's almost poetic that Pathologic Two is struggling to finish its other campaigns because it's it's the sequel to it tried to remake a game in higher fidelity with better systems that itself didn't f finish having three campaigns to begin with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never finished uh, the the last campaign of the first Pathologic. Oh, it's not worth it. Not really worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's got some I... cool revelations near the end, but it's it's. Not like mechanically interesting. It is famously unfinished. Like yeah. after day four, they ran out of time and they just shipped it with all the narrative stuff basically just sitting in the game. Yeah. Clara's campaign essentially has like one story mission per day. Mm -hmm. And that's and then it repeats the same side missions every day. Mm -hmm. So there's just one side mission that takes place here and one side mission takes place there. And they're like, it's essentially like having, it's like Radiant Quests in Fallout 4. Like, it's like essentially like procedurally generated filler. It's like, it's, mm -hmm. like, and I, have, and I haven't played it multiple times, so I don't, I, or, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep notes anyway to know for sure. But, like, you, it, it's functionally in, impossible to tell whether or not the, the, the repeating quests are, like, in randomly generated locations or not. Because of how unmeaningful they are, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is rough because there's there's so much go good going on up till then that it's just sad to watch the tr the car the the tires just fall off the truck and you're like well fuck <laughs> here we go yeah speaking of the, the tires falling off the truck we're it's it's three hours after starting time so we gotta stop and let Colonel <laughs> go to bed good. this podcast we is over good. subscribe to Noel playing games link in the description uh, there's nothing there yet but there will be. And oh. so, what you know, be there first. You gotta don't gotta remember later. Well, Who knows? Thirty third, if not every first. call to action I do counts because you miss other ones anyway. Because YouTube is a shit show for getting people to actually see all the stuff you do. And I say that knowing full well that I upload multiple videos per day, so I did it to myself. But also, at yeah. the end, at the end of the video is probably the best because you know people are like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm thinking of what, what to watch next. Well, yeah. you can't watch an old I should go games, click on this empty subscribe. channel and hit subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> and then I should talking. watch <laughs> the number go up from the other subscribers and then be disappointed when it doesn't go very fast. It's called actions are a struggle. <laughs>
See you guys later. Change. Be the change you want to be Goodbye. in the world. The other way around. Which one is it? This is our Bye. Girl Boss Gatekeep Gamer episode. Finally. Bye. <laughs>